Hi, this is Doug Manch, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 105, I believe. And uh, we are here with another Isla Ra sessions for you. So um, I'm your host, Ray, for tonight. And uh, for those that don't know, Isla Ra sessions, it uh, began a while ago. They are kind of like the Desert Island comics your top four comics uh, what you'd take with you if you were stranded on a desert island and uh, we've had a varied bunch of loonies uh, come on to the show talk about their favorite books and and we get to actually know the loonies a bit more ourselves um, being such a uh, I guess a, a dedicated community um, for all those that like moon Knight. anyway as you can hear we are in plush surroundings as always at Grant Mansion I'm sitting here cosy uh, in front of a roaring fire in these plush leather seats. And opposite me is a loony, Noel, Looney Tunes Tate. Hey, Noel, how are you? <laughs> Looney Tunes. <laughs> yeah, I came up with that one. How do you like that one? <laughs> whatever, you, whatever you like, Ray. Well, like, you, hi, how are you? Yeah, good, good. Well, I mean, for listeners that um, are unaware, and they shouldn't be, uh, Noel uh, is a frontman for Delita the the band that have graciously allowed us to use their music for our podcast, hence the Looney Tunes. I thought it was a very apt nickname for you, Noel. Um, oh, clever. Yeah, yeah. Clever boy. <laughs> I spent a lot of time trying to think of a nickname <laughs> for you. Um, but anyway, no, it's, it's awesome to have you here. Um, you have featured on the podcast before, back on episode 92, um, that was a spotlight, and back then we spoke more about your your music. Right. Yeah, um, so this time round, what we want to do is obviously make it comic-centric, and we mm-hmm. usually um, kick off with a few comic-related questions to you, Noel, um, just to, to get, get to know you a bit more. Um, first off, as always... Um, when and I guess how did you first get into comic books? Um, there was a like a drugstore close to my house mm-hmm. uh, when I was a pretty small child, like in the early late seventies, early eighties, mm-hmm. um, somewhere around there. When uh, and you know that's the kind of place you'd go if you got a nickel or something to go buy. Um, some candy or gum or whatever. And they had actually a pretty big magazine rack with a lot of comic books on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure something like, you know, Spider-Man or somebody caught my eye and I probably spent my allowance on a comic book and just quickly got into it. They only carried Marvel comics, which was kind of weird. Yeah. Um, probably had a deal with them or something with the distributor or whatever. And so, yeah, I picked up a, a probably a Spider-Man. I don't remember. Yeah. He's like the earliest comic i can remember but who knows if it actually was but then quickly got into just uh started buying comic books there all the time mm-hmm. and then um i remember seeing like i bought a lot of the 
like Kitty Pride and Wolverine single issues off the rack back then and oh uh, a lot was a lot of x-men were starting to get really big in the early 80s so it was just like all x-men on that rack for the most part yeah um and getting like secret wars off the rack and things oh. like that well did not you... understanding what was going on <laughs> and then there's a um and then someone had told me that there was a comic like an actual real comic shop that had just opened a few blocks further and so i started going there and became a bit overwhelmed, but I remember getting a lot of even more. Like at that point, I still didn't care about DC Comics. When I saw Superman, I thought it was corny. Yeah, and well, I remember seeing like Silver Surfer and the Moon Knight and mm-hmm. lots of other. I'm just grabbing everything I could and begging my money for or begging my parents for more money so I could buy more comics. <laughs> well, I just wonder as well. Like you mentioned, uh, that first store, the drugstore that you went to, was predominantly Marvel. Did you find in any way that you had a leaning towards Marvel because of that influence at the start i mean uh, oh i'm sure yeah because yeah. as soon as i read some dc titles especially in the 80s they just seemed before like infinite crisis mm-hmm. or crisis on infinite Earths, um it seemed uh they just yeah it seemed corny compared to marvel and uh, marvel comics at the time reading back still pretty corny too for the most <laughs> part yeah but there was just something that they seemed a little bit more you know realistic and yeah um, they allowed themselves to be moody and, um, you know, Spider-Man was just great. He would just get mm. sad <laughs> and you didn't see very often, you know, other than, you know, no, actually you didn't see any of the DC heroes ever being sad. Like Batman should have been, but yeah, he was just always, he's got a lot of baggage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah. not as, not as much as someone who had gone through that should. Mm. And I always find Spider-Man, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously one of the big guns of Marvel, uh, but just the, I guess, the decency of the character. And he's, he's just, I know it's a cliche, but he, he's just your kind of every man's hero. Um, yeah. In the sense that he's such an honest um, person and he's got a, a really a really strong moral compass. Um, you know, the same can obviously be said for Captain America, but um, Spidey's got this kind of under, it's weird, he's got like this underdog tag, but he's actually quite powerful. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I mean, he could lift a car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he just he constantly can dodge everything, and he, he seems to be quite unbeatable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so w- precognition what? pretty much makes you invisible. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you can't beat that spotty sense. Yeah. That's why they've taken it away from time to time to be like, it's kind of like taking away some of you know Superman's powers or something. I mean, like, this guy is unbeatable if he can see anything coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's. Did you ever read any of Dan Slott's run on Spider-Man? I did. Yeah, I. Um, yeah, I he loved... took it away. He did, did he? Okay, I didn't read all of his run because it was a long run. It was about yeah ten years, really right? Long. He he spent about ten years. Yeah, on... just almost ten years. Yeah. Um. So I, yeah, I missed that bit with his. Uh, I I jumped in a lot when he had already had that body swap with um mm, Doc mm-hmm. Ock, and that was very interesting. Right. What what do you think of this whole thing? You know, Dan Slott is a good example of, you know, fans in uproar against uh, uh, against what these writers come up with, you know, highly controversial ways to, to handle the character. Um, same with, like, Spider-Man, same with Captain America and Secret Empire. Uh, does it does it get to you when when you come across stories where your favourite characters are, are handled differently? No, I think it's great. It shows that they put a writer with some imagination on it. Mm. Um, 
maybe it's not necessarily for me the way they go, but it does. I mean, you know, they're mainstream comic books. They'll always go back to some kind of status quo. So might yeah. as well screw with it while you can, you know. Yeah, that's. Good. I think I love it when they do something different. I mean, I was actually just thinking about that with um, Max's run on Moon Knight the other day, and it was like, ah, uh, yeah, he did something different, and yeah, some people won't like it, but I, and I didn't love all of it, but at mm. least he did. He tried something different. Yeah, I, I can't. And if it's just the same, it's like it's just why even just go back and read the old comic then. Who cares? Mm. I mean, just read I, the I'm, same stories. Rereading the the uh, Brian Michael Bendis run of Moon Knight, I'm kind of getting a little sense of that as well i'm i'm really enjoying it and of course yeah that's maybe what made me think about it listening to your last review ah, on that. I was like right. you know this i'll have to go back and read them again because i remember at the time being like blah yeah yeah exactly um, i was just like hearing that. you describe it and remembering it i'm like yeah this this, this is playing better yeah the second time around than it did the first time around i think there's an advantage of of hindsight of exactly i guess you know knowing your expectations uh, and limiting mm-hmm. them so yeah because i'm really you know we're only two issues in but i'm really enjoying i'm really enjoying it um regardless of the fact that it, it kind of flies in the face of of um, moon knight's canon but mm-hmm. uh yeah no that's uh it's quite interesting and how did you kind of how then did you start kind of breaking into well firstly dc i guess one of the other big two uh, and then your interest, because I know your interest in in various publishers are kind of wide. Um, how did you kind of crack into that? Was that just out of curiosity and um, just trying anything, or were you led towards well, that? With, with DC, it was actually pretty recently. Um, oh. Just, you know, from uh, sort of pop culture. I mean, everybody knows the, the big references to, like... Uh, DC's bigger characters. I've seen all of the movies starring those characters and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I think some, you know someone su- suggested uh, some different um, DC comics to read, mm-hmm. and uh, just like oh, let's try these out. I mean, I had been through the years reading a lot of different Vertigo titles and things like that, um, which I at some, one point I don't even think I knew that. Um, DC owned Vertigo comics. Oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't have known that as well, you know, for a while, because they're, they're so different, uh, aren't they? Like, yeah. It's so distinct. They're very different. It wasn't until I think seeing maybe like a, a Swamp Thing book that had a Vertigo stamp uh-huh. on it and being like, oh, wait a second, you know, when I was maybe a teenager or something. Yeah. Oh, they are owned by the same thing. But, um, yeah, I didn't even get into start reading any of the mainstream DC books until really the, just the past few years even. Okay. Right, because I couldn't, I couldn't really care about Superman. Like, nothing could mm. make me care about that until I'd, um, I'd seen a, um, a video about someone going over Superman for all seasons, yeah, right. and just be like looking up some of the artwork because they just went off about how great of an artist Tim Sale was, and I'd only seen him on some some of the books he did with Jeff Loeb for Marvel. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa, that's amazing! I should try to pick that up. You yeah, know, or someone being like, you've got to read. Year one, you're like, all right, whatever, and then getting to be like, whoa, this is amazing. This is even better than their work on Daredevil or something like that. Yeah, but do do you find maybe? I mean, also, I'm not sure. Are you a a big um, movie goer, or do you do you like watching a lot of TV programs? Because uh, DC were quite in the forefront um, early '90s, I'd say, even actually. 
prior to that with Superman, uh, Christopher Reeve. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I saw all of those when I was a kid. Mm, they didn't didn't urge you to to look you know, pick up the comics for DC at all? Or? No, no. Not at all. Not at all. No, and then and then, uh, and then Tim Burton and uh, Michael Keaton came on board. In yeah, same. No. same thing. No, it, uh, okay. no. I, I, you know, very funny. I mean, similar. I, I'm pretty much the same as you, Noel. I probably came close with the Tim Burton um, Batman Batmania that happened around then. Yeah. Um, just not enough to to start picking up Batman. Well, by the time by the time like that that eighty nine movie came out, I was already reading you know Judge Dredd or, ah. or something else. By that point, I wasn't even reading Marvel comics anymore, really. Oh, okay, or barely. I think probably Spider Man was like the last one that I dropped. I remember recent, a couple of years ago, I found a floppy of a, a spectacular that yeah. I owned. And I was like, oh, this must be like 88 or something. And it was like 91. And I was like, okay, this was actually literally back then the last comic I bought. Oh, wow. So I realized I stopped reading comics in 91. Oh, so you stopped uh, for a long time? Do you, oh, a while, I guess? Or was it a, just a short stand? Yeah. No, probably a while. Yeah. I mean, I started, you know, started discovering girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, yeah. Yeah, and that other priorities. Music and yeah. high school was starting to end. Mm-hmm. Well, music's uh, always yeah, been with you, other, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. But music more uh, full time, I would say, mm. I guess, in my late late teens. Yeah, when I started to, and then I just didn't. Yeah, every once in a while, I would be, you know, like maybe like an indie comic or an alternative comic would pop up. Okay, um, and those were already, but it was already because of things like uh, I already. By even the kind of late '80s, I had already started to ignore a lot, <clears throat> a lot of the Marvel books. Right, um, See, because I, of yeah. things like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the big ah. black and white boom and thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, why would I want to read this corny Marvel comic book where it's you know stuck in the same weird thing when I could read a turtle cutting off somebody's head? That's yeah. way cooler. You know, I wish I um, discovered the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles around that era as well because I only remember them like I'm informed from the the cartoon series you know mm-hmm. which came a little yeah. later and by that stage for me and, and it's definitely I'm assuming very different from the comic book series less dark it's more um, kid oriented uh, yeah yeah. Well, they made that to to sell toys. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but like they did everything with the eighties. Yeah, I mean, eighties. But that was that was my exposure to the turtles, and I feel if I had gotten a, a, a more intense, a darker version, uh, I would have been more of a fan. I mean, around the time that you were reading the turtles, um, I was starting to get into you know the X Men mutants were starting to become quite a big thing in Marvel. Mm-hmm. So that's where yeah. I kind of um, leaned towards. But that's very. How did you? How did you get into the turtles around then? I mean, th- um, we actually moved across town, yeah. and I ended up going to a different school. That there was a, another comic book shop right across the street from school, mm-hmm. um, and that they carried a lot more independent books. Okay. In fact, I don't remember them carrying anything from the big two. They must have. But oh wow! The, yeah. I, but there was a lot more. I remember seeing like. Um, I got all the f- like first and second printings of the first twelve issues of Turtles like right off the rack. Mm. Then, so it would have been like eighty four, eighty five, eighty six, right? Somewhere around there, probably eighty five, eighty six. Yeah. Um, and their uh, their role playing game 
the oh, Teenage wow. Mutant Ninja Turtles and other strangeness, okay. which came out before the cartoons and everything. I actually just yesterday watched the the documentary that came out about the turtles a few years ago. Oh, okay, which I uh, I had never seen, but it's it's free right now online, and um, and it was it's pretty fascinating. I think I knew most of it, but it, it was fun to kind of sync up my timeline reading the turtles but also just reading comics with what was happening with the turtles yeah like when when they kind of went mainstream i guess or you mm. could call it like i was like yep that would have been right around the time i stopped reading comics that's cool because yeah. they went to a they went to a um they got they went and got a professional to try to sell the okay. IP to took to it, you know, and the guy sold it to a toy company. Mm-hmm. And it was Playmates who came up with the idea of toys and just like everything in the eighties, they were like, You need to have a wow. cartoon yeah. to I go mean, with this to sell it and then exactly. boom, they took off. Yeah. I mean trying really to trying funny. to cash in. I mean, you know, of course it's uh you've got a hot property or a property that has potential. Um because like I, I guess comic books they don't you know it's a that's a hard gig to to work an independent comic book maker, I think that'd be pretty hard to. Yeah, well, to their story is crazy. I mean, they yeah. they didn't even actually sell the turtles until like was it maybe ten years ago or less. Really? Wow. Maybe it was even just 2012 or something. They held on to the rights until I think they completely sold to whatever their corporate yeah. owner is now, Nickelodeon or Viacom or something. Uh-huh. Uh, so just a few years ago, I think before those Michael Bay movies came yeah. out, yeah, that's when they sold them. But they had oh wow, they actually had their their fingers in everything yeah. up until that point. Because there were there were movies. There was a movie before the Michael Bay ones, right? As well. At oh yeah, one, in yeah. the. In the nineties, right? When or... they, was it in the? 90s? I never oh. saw them, but okay. I just remember the um, the the special, like the makeup, the, the costume for them. Um, yeah, there it was Jim Henson Muppet. Mm. Yeah, looked, an, looked pretty good. Animatronic stuff. Yeah, yeah it looked all right. Looked half decent. Um, I haven't seen the. Have no, you they seen just the Mon- put like stuntmen in suits. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And, and have mm-hmm. you seen the the Michael Bay ones? Are they any good or? I have not. No. Yeah, I haven't as well. I'd like to, actually. I think on Netflix, uh, have... it's only got two. Are they on? Well, the oh, second really? one, in Australia. Uh, oh, wanna... yeah, there are two. Yeah, I want to see the first yeah, one, at I, least. I decided not to really get into any of that stuff, because I didn't want it to ruin the black mm. and white turtles for me. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I barely saw any episodes of the cartoon, even, because at that point, I was like, nope. Yeah. I even actually sold a bunch of my first and second pressings when I was younger, which was which was really stupid. Oh, no. <laughs> but hopefully for yeah. a, for a bit of a, a bit of coin, no. Yeah, they help pay the rent. That oh, was good. No, oh, excellent. Uh, look, we might as well just um, mention now because I mean, as as mentioned, you do have your top four Isla Ra books, um, but you gave me a list of honourable mentions and uh, for graphic novel series is another honourable mention. So one of them you did mention is the, are the first 12 issues of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, so yeah. obviously they, they are held dear dear to you. Um, so you sold a couple of them. Have you, have you since, have you reclaimed a whole set of these 12 issues? Or are they in trade, I'm assuming, oh, as yeah. well? Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd, well, they've been repressed i'm sure Mm. in trade a few times but idw a few years ago put out this big book of the first a couple volumes of of the first black and white and like slightly bigger um 
edition with notes from Eastman and Laird after each issue. Yeah, right. About what they were thinking and what were the process or what was changing. Yeah, right. And, uh, it's, yeah, they're pretty, pretty cool. Okay. Well, actually, I'm sorry. Noel, I haven't offered you anything while you're here. I forgot, totally. Um, are you are you a bit par- <laughs> yeah? Are you a bit parched, or, or do you want a cigar or something? Oh, look, let me just uh, let me ring the bell. All right. Well, uh, Samuel's will be with us shortly. Uh, sorry about that, Farah. We just got we got straight oh, into right. the comics. You know, um, I just got excited to get into into this list of yours as well. Uh, also, what was I going to mention? Um, Oh, okay, it's it's lost me for a moment. So I'm just going to go to before I get into um, another one, uh, another question that we usually ask. Uh, the other on your list is Superman for All Seasons is another honourable mm-hmm. mention. Now, um, other listeners will know that I co-host another podcast, Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. Uh, and we have reviewed it. Very good. Like an, It was the first time I've read it. Um, a very... Uh, Visually um, stunning and uh, a well-told story. This one you've added on as an honourable mention, Noel. Um, any significance, particular significance for you? This, uh, this, and just the artwork is wonderful. Mm. Yeah, just, it is. and the storytelling is is too. It's just another Superman. That's not quite an origin story, but mm. it's close. They kind of, I think, you know, maybe it's like. With Bruce Wayne or something, and they just put, remember? Okay, moving on. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just a really, the artwork is fantastic. I love the 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 design they have for, well, for Superman, but f- mostly for Clark Kent, who is just this giant oaf of a man. Yeah. 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 You know, like, he just kind of looks, kind of looks stupid or something. He looks very, um, uh, yeah, like, cartoonish, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but just but like kind of like a big dumb oaf, which I think is great because the way they draw, <laughs> well, the way that, you know the way they normally would draw Superman, he's huge. But mm-hmm. if you put that guy in a a pair of khakis and some glasses, he would look like a giant dork. Yeah, that's... and that's exactly how they draw them. And I just love that that sort of bit of realism in a way to yes. it. Yeah. Even though it is, yeah, very cartoony, but the artwork is just amazing. It looks like from another time. Yeah, it it definitely is. And I think a big shout out to the, I'm not sure the colorists, but the colors were. And the colors are just phenomenal. Yeah, they popped out for sure. Um, The other thing that I remember. Bjorn Hansen, I think, is a Swedish colorist, artist, painter. Sounds very familiar. Yeah, that's. uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I think think it was good. The, The only other. The other good thing that I remember from it was the uh, the narrative as well for each of the seasons. Yeah, it's uh, really cool. Yeah, each character or different characters have different narratives for mm, each season. Yeah, yeah, it's broken up into four four parts because it's four the season. Parts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, yeah, that's a no. It's a really good um, a really good uh, story. A Superman fan or not, um, I, I would recommend it for for listeners to yeah. to check it out. It is one of the. I'd, I'd, I'd say to say it's a. It's a classic, one of the classic stories for Superman. It is, even though it's, like, really new. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's not that old, right, yeah. yeah no, what is it? It's maybe 15, 20 years old, if that? Mm, maybe if that, I think, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, the other one uh, up here is V for Vendetta. And this yeah. Is, uh, yeah. This is, I mean, I'm 
you know, I actually haven't read it myself. Um, more familiar. Really? Nah, yeah, more familiar with the uh, obviously the the, the movie um, mm. that came out. But yeah, again, um, Alan Moore, right? No, Neil. Yep. Yeah, Alan Moore. Um, yeah, uh, this is special for you um, through the writing or, or, or the actual story told. Yeah, it's like well, it's, it's a pick between this or Watchmen, mm-hmm. and Watchmen is pretty obvious, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, I think V for Vendetta right now is just seems like a very poignant book. Mm-hmm. Um, I reread it again, uh, I don't know, six months, a year ago or something, and there's just a lot. For something that was written in the late 80s, it really reminded me about how much, um, how worried people really were uh, about uh, authoritarianism and overreach from the government. Mm-hmm. Um, and just how much too much power in one place can be really bad. Uh, and there's things like um, there are security cameras in this comic book everywhere. Uh, it's like everywhere you look, there's yeah. like a camera up in the corner, which is now like a CCTV camera. You anywhere you go in a city, you see them yes. everywhere. But back in eighty oh. seven or eighty eight, yeah, um, was this even earlier than that? Um, you wouldn't see those anywhere. So this you was know, ahead of its so time. So he really, yeah, way ahead of its time, and right. it's it's in a in a, in a way that it's like, I mean, it's obviously very influenced by Orwell's 1984 mm-hmm. and things like that, but, um, but in that sort of tradition, it also kind of predicted a lot of the things that were going to happen. It's like if you follow the logical conclusion of where you know sort of Thatcherism went or where mm-hmm. Reaganism went, it was like, well, this is where you're gonna you're gonna be. Yes. Yeah, and and. Uh, yeah, so, so it's, yeah, it's a really cool book, and the artwork is of David Lloyd is really amazing, and the coloring is really really cool too. It's it's a really disturbing but beautiful book. Cool. And how? Which format do you have this in? Uh, I have a big paperback graphic novel. Nice, lovely. On it's the one that's on kind of newsprint. I'm sure there's like a ton of different varieties, but the oh, one I've okay. had forever is just. Yeah. On kind of like this cool, it's like you know, not glossy paper, yeah. so the inks kind of run a little bit and they look really cool. Yeah, I think it's one of the um, stories though that will safely be reprinted over and over again. Um, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, one of the one of the big. Because, because it's a Vertigo book, so DC. I'm sure they probably had the same thing they did with Watchmen. As long as it's in print, mm, the yes. rights won't revert back to Alan Moore. So right, right. That's oh, one of okay, his that big is problems. Well. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's recently just retired as well. He's announced his retirement. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I, uh, he's full of shit. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> You'll see him. We'll see him again. A couple of years or something. Yeah. He'll pop up when he uh, when he feels the urge. Um, yeah. Have you been reading much of his later stuff? Or no, no, yeah, no, I haven't. I can. Uh, he's. I I mean, I'm sure it's cool, <laughs> but it, it's a little bit of the like witchcraft and all that it's oh. which fine that's great but i just can't really wrap my hand around some yeah fair enough. he gets so deep into the woods that it could be maybe someday i will yeah i'm feeling yeah yeah um, that's it. it's a good thing with yeah about writers it. yeah you find that kind of wavelength where it will probably you know resonate with you and you go back to it um, and yep right yeah. um also, we have here just the last of the first shortlist, uh, honourable mentions, Why the Last Man. Now, I am uh, familiar, uh, familiar with this a little. I've only read the first trade of it. So this is um, uh, Brian Michael Vaughan, is that correct? 
I got that wrong. Brian Cavon. Brian Cavon. Sorry. What did I say? <laughs> There's a lot of Brian something. Yeah. yeah sorry, but yeah, VKV. Yeah, yeah. Brian Cavon. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Why the Last Man? A very cool um, from the trade that I've read. There's only there's pretty much a lot of it set up because I know there are a lot of volumes to it. But yeah, there's uh, ten. Ten. Yeah. So I've only just touched the surface. Uh, apocalyptic kind of setting, right? It's it's literally. This guy with a monkey, is that correct? Um, yeah, it's something, something happens and all, any living creature on Earth with the Y chromosome dies. Mm-hmm. So all the men die, including animals and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, except for it's just this one guy, Yurik, and his monkey ampersand, for some reason, are still alive. Yeah. And so the whole thing is just a mystery of figuring out. Yeah, it's very intriguing stuff. I mean, like, I borrowed it from the library, um, hoping to get the subsequent volumes, but I think two was, you know, loaned out. So I'm going to go mm-hmm. back into it. But uh, you have the entire... You can collection. pick them up for really cheap, yeah. Okay. I've yeah. gotten them all. Nice. I've gotten them all from... Um, from secondhand stores for just a couple bucks a piece. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And obviously, I mean, obviously, this is a, um, a, a treasured item for you as well. It, it being such a, a long kind of um, series, um, I'm just thinking, as opposed to say Superman for All Seasons or V for Vendetta, is this something that you revisit, like um, every now and again, and, and read the whole thing through, or, or do you just pick a few of your favorite volumes, or or um, yeah, I actually just recently um, finished it for the first time. Oh, okay. All the right. all the way through. Because mm-hmm. um, I only heard of it from a friend a year or two ago, perhaps. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, I think we were just talking about other Brian K. Vaughn books. Yeah. I was really into his run. His run on um, Doctor Strange. Oh. And um, I did. He did a did. really cool. Okay. Yeah, a short run on Doctor Strange that was really cool. Oh, and, nice. Um, what else at the time had I read? Probably, I still I've never read Runaways, but I'm sure that was like in the mm. zeitgeist. guys. Very good, uh, actually. Yeah, oh, yeah. Paper Girls, I think I was reading. Ah, Paper and Girl. a friend was like, "Oh, have you ever read Why?" And I was like, "No, mm-hmm. I should pick this up, I guess." And um, yeah. I read, I picked up maybe the first three trades, three or four trades uh-huh. at once for cheap, and um, burned through them that day. Okay, that's good. I mean, because it's a really, it's a really easy read. Yeah, and it's yeah. really he really hooked. You could tell that he would go on to write for some television and stuff because he's really good at hooking you. Mm. You know, at the end of a chapter, being like, "But what happens next?" There's yeah. a cliffhanger at the end of every chapter, or just like a good way to hook you if it's not a cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just read him really quick and just immediately was addicted, and then got the rest of them except for the last volume. I actually just picked up recently. Oh, okay. So you've been hanging out because I went for... through them. Yeah, I went through them so quickly. I was like, I need to slow down, and then yeah. uh, I couldn't. Actually, I don't think I could. It was one of those things where it was like, I'm only buying these cheap. I'm not gonna, you know, pay full price for it. And finally, volume ten popped up somewhere used. Yeah. Oh, that... Okay, got it. And I burned through that, and I was like, "Yep, this is great." <laughs> yeah, far out. I mean, buying the first three trades. That's, um, I mean, a recommendation from a friend, and that was, uh, you know, not risky. I mean, if you got it for a bargain, that would have been good. But yeah, I mean, full. Tr- if you didn't like it, <laughs> then you would have been stuck with three trades. Yeah. But um, no, whatever. But then again, it's a fantastic book. Though. It's really one of yeah. the best written books i've ever read it's so yeah good. and again it, it's and getting the ideas are fantastic yeah and it's getting more and more i mean i i hear more and more 
Some of my friends who aren't, that I actually never knew, like read graphic novels and comics. Um, because uh, you know Goodreads, the the app, um, is a mm-hmm. yeah, it's like I said. And anyway, one of my mates said, Brad, I say like what he's currently reading or what he rates, and he and he went through Why the Last Man, Why the Last Man. I'm going, oh, geez, Brad, I didn't even know you were reading <laughs> like graphic novels, <laughs> but it seems to get its name out there, and uh, and that's not only that's only like one example. So I've had a couple where um, people just randomly that I would not associate. Um, find themselves reading this so i don't know where they hear it from but um i don't know well there's gonna be they've been working on a tv show okay yeah right um but i guess they've been having some problems getting it together Mm. um i mean the premise sounds really really suitable for tv yeah it would yeah exactly it would make a really good um I mean, like a prose novel. I can see that's why people would... It's just so well written yes. that even if it was without the drawings, it would it would play really well. It's a prose novel, you know, it's kind of a science fiction. Yeah. It's 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 a little ahead of its time. This book is maybe more than 10 years old now. Yeah, right. Um, it still feels... It still reads. I mean... 2001, I, I think, is when it came out first. Oh, okay. A long time ago. Um, it is. But yeah, it just... It, it feels very modern. It feels very influential now. Looking back, I mean, it's yeah. like almost like lost yep. the TV show or things like that. You know. Well, yeah. If you if you do line it up with other, say, other you know regular comic books that you do read uh, that were published around that time, um, yeah, it, it kind of is immune to that dated, I guess, feel at all. It, it's really good. Um, yeah. Yeah, it feels especially. Once again, sort of like V for Vendetta does right now. It's just really in the zeitgeist, sort of. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially after like the um, kind of the Me Too and the Hollywood mm-hmm. uh, asshole <laughs> stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's just like yeah, yeah. This is this is, makes a lot of sense. There's a few things that um, that I wonder how they'll hold up with people. Like you know, there's obviously things with um, trans people and stuff that are in the book. Mm-hmm. That seem a little weird now. Oh, in okay. Hindsight. Right. Um, just because there's there's no men, so some women decide oh, to take on okay. a, either no gender or, or, or masculine role. Mm-hmm. And I have a trans friend that I've been tr- who's really into comic books, but I've been trying to get to read this book for a while now just to get their opinion on it. Oh, okay. That would uh, be interesting. How does this read for you? Yeah. <laughs> I just want to know. I'm sure. They would just be like, yeah, well, fine, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is, it, is <laughs> because, time. it is weird, though, because it's such a weird um, scenario of, you know, to say the males are all wiped out. Um, y- you know, the, yeah, I mean, the that's imp- what makes it such a genius premise for a book. Mm, yeah. Like, what would happen? You yeah. know, the storytelling is possibilities are endless for yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. Or um, at least 10 volumes worth. <laughs> Around it, nice and even 10. Um, oh, here's mm-hmm. a... Uh, Hi, Samuels. How are you? Yes. So that took a while, Samuels. Were you just waiting around the corner for us to... Anyway, uh, yeah, Noel, would you like a, a drink or a tipple or a... Just a cup of coffee would be great. cup of coffee? How do you take your coffee? Uh, a, a bit of raw sugar and some almond milk. Ah, excellent. Have we got some almond milk there? So of course we do. This is a mansion. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. I'll have a... Um, yeah, look, I'll, I'll have a coffee as well. Just have a... Uh, um, I'll have a long 
a long black. <laughs> just actually reminded me, Noel. Um, <laughs> in Australia, we have different terms for coffee. Um, I'm not sure if you. Right. Yeah, so you know, a long black, short black, flat white. Are they are they common? No. No. Oh. What's flat white? Would just be with cream or something, uh, or half and half, and nothing else. No. So we have cappuccino, which is you know the cappuccino. Our flat white is mm-hmm. literally. Um, it's a long black, which is basically just a, a um, I guess it's an espresso. Is that um, okay? Uh, yeah, it's a shot of coffee with a bit more water in it, um, uh, and a flat white is a shot of coffee, uh, a bit of water, and a bit of milk with a bit of frothing. Right. Yeah, and then we have you know the lat- you, you, we have lattes as well. I mean lattes are are they global? I don't know. Of course. But they do. I, I'm, yeah. I'm shy to, I don't know. Because, like, we, <laughs> I just had a couple of friends from over, like, European friends, and, you know, ordering them coffee, and she yeah. didn't know. Latte is literally Italian. Yeah, I know. It's just so. like a cappuccino <laughs> as well. Yeah, for sure. I, I just never can tell, because uh, cause I take all this for granted, and I was, I was you know, ordering long blacks and short blacks here and there, and she's going, what the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. I'm going, what? Well, <laughs> yeah. coffees. If you were to ask a short black probably anywhere outside of Australia, <laughs> they would be like, what exactly. the hell are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, thankfully, Samuel's, uh, he knows my jargon. Mm-hmm. Off he goes. Yeah. Um, probably, if we're lucky, we'll get a couple of biggies with that as well. <gasps> and he, anyway, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> back to the, uh, back to the uh, honourable mentions. Um, fantastic. There, I mean, you've... you've named a few classics there already now these ones coming up which are again uh, off your list i'm not too familiar with may, a couple of them maybe just by name uh first one mm-hmm. sloth by gilbert hernandez uh can yeah, you so have us... you heard of the hernandez brothers um actually i've only heard of them through you i think in our last, me, that uh, last yeah, episode right. yeah yeah connor has read love and rockets somehow ah uh, love and rockets yes is... okay yeah. crazy to me that the kid knows everything oh, but um is a, yeah it's <laughs> yeah he's okay yeah. yeah he's a true comic book fan yeah um yeah slotha is just a it's a there's a lot of vertigo books yeah. i mean these are just ones that are sort of in my peripheral at the moment mm-hmm. like these would all you know even change even my other books would could change if you ask me <laughs> six months from now but this one has stuck with me for a while it's um one of the hernandez brothers who uh do love and rockets the ongoing series that they've been doing since the early 80s mm-hmm. and sloth is just a really cool it's just a black and white very cartoony book and it's kind of a uh, i wouldn't call it like kind of a fantasy book okay for them most of what the hernandez brothers do is pretty kind of realistic mm-hmm. storytelling um but this is just a really really strange strange book it's almost i don't know almost um uh who's the director that i'm thinking of right now uh to the Elephant Man and oh, Dune. Um, David Lynch. Yes, David Lynch. It's almost sort of Lynchian mystery. Ooh. Where it's... Wow. It's, it's really, really weird. It's about... It starts off about a boy who wakes up from being in a coma mm-hmm. for a long time, and he can't figure out why. I'll just leave it at that, because it takes a lot of t- twists and turns. It's really strange, but it's a really cool book. And after I read it, it just hasn't really left my mind for the past couple of years. Yeah, wow, it's really cool. Okay, so there's that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I that's... suggest anybody pick up anything they can from any of the 
Hernandez Brothers stuff, whether it's Love and Rockets or mm -hmm. some any of their other projects. Their stuff is just really cool, and really great artwork. It feels yeah. very like um, sort of 50s and 60s. A lot of it, okay. one of their biggest influences is um, Steve Ditko. Oh, right. Beautiful. So it kind of yeah. has that weird kind of cartoony feeling, but yeah. really, you know, exact and cool. Nice. Yeah. I, really good detail for being so simple. Yeah. And, and Love and Rockets has been going on for a while, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, it's been going on since I was a little kid. Has it? Really? That yeah, long? I think 80, 82 was the first issue. Oh, wow. I thought it was just something like Why the Last Man. I thought it was just, been, you know, volume 10 or something. Wow, okay. Jeez. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's it's impossible to find them. I mean, I think Fanographics still keeps them in print for the most part, if not trades of them. But Okay. Um, there's a lot of them. Yeah. And, uh, oh, and Sloth was, um, is it, so that's just one self-contained graphic novel? Yeah, oh. it has nothing to do with the Love and Rockets no. universe. It's, it's its own thing. Okay, but I mean, like, um, it, it, was it six issues? Or, or no, it's it's a graphic it just, novel. Oh, yeah, like an OGN. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, and then this other one again. This is this uh, baffled me. David Boring by Dan. Oh yeah. Close. Klaus. Klaus. Pronounced. Uh, yeah. Is this a, is this a Vertigo one as well? No? Um, I think this was... I think it's either Fanographics. Okay. Or maybe it's Pantheon Books. Mm-hmm. Um, um, also, I'll just say... It's like a, another original graphic novel. Yeah. Um, that's what Dan Klaus... He used to do in the 80s uh, an anthology series called 8-Ball. Oh, that, that rings um, a bell, yeah. That, yeah, he spun a lot of stories later. They started doing collected editions of the, some of the stories from the anthology, like Ghost World Oh, is from 8-Ball. Scarlett Johansson. Um, yeah, they made the a movie. movie out of yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yep. Oh, wow. Um, and I don't know if David Boring was in 8-Ball. It could have been. And who? It's a lot of it's hard to tell. A lot of his books. And who were, is um, this uh, protagonist, David Boring? He's like a nineteen-year-old kid who really just like it's another very kind of Lynchian, David Lynchian sort of book. Mm -hmm. all, all those guys in the eighties did really weird, yeah, stuff. Um, like he used to do. Daniel Claus used to do some weird kind of like horror kind of comics, ah. but but not your typical. Or comics, They're like influenced sort of by the EC, like fifties, forties, and fifties stuff. And oh, like stuff. Pul but, pulpy horror, exactly. Yeah, okay. but in a really weird sort of punk rock eighties oh, cool. style. Nice. Um, and David Boyd's just this kid who, who is trying to kind of find himself. He's really sort of lonely and weird, and he's got a he. His goal is pretty much just to have sex with girls. Um, and, um, he ends up after the, it's broken into three parts and the first chapter is just like a friend comes to sort of visit and he's just like randomly kind of going through life. And then one of his friend that comes to visit ends up getting killed somehow and they're not really sure why. And he ends up falling in love with this girl and she ends up disappearing. And the end of chapter one spoilers is he gets shot and David Boring gets shot in the face. Oh, wow. Uh, 
and doesn't die, but oh. it, then it goes on. Horrific. Really? It, it just it gets weirder after that. He ends oh. up on an island with his friend and his mother, and he's all bandaged up. And Wow. It's really strange. There's other people on the island, and they say that humanity has been destroyed or on the mainland through, like... Um, chemical warfare or germ warfare or something mm. it's, it's, it's really odd and it's just a really funny weird he has a weird sense of humor wow and a weird sense of style and it's very much if you've seen ghost world or read the book it's you know ghost world has that kind of weird pacing yeah and everything about it just doesn't like it's funny but it's you it's kind of like you awkwardly laugh at the things that are funny <laughs> it's the same way but david Bourne just pushed even a little bit further oh um kind of like it's really great oh wow Okay, well, um, fear not, listeners, as well. Uh, this is a learning experience for me as well, but we will put these, um, I'll put links to these relevant uh, graphic novels mm-hmm. and trades in our show notes, and you can check them out as well, as well as, uh, of course, Noel's um, top four issues to come. But, yeah, David Boring, that sounds actually, that actually sounds really interesting. Um, I would say just anybody pick up, and if you ever see Daniel Klaus's name on anything, just pick it up. Okay. His, yeah. his artwork is really cool. Um, oh, he does everything. Yeah, he yeah. writes and draws. Oh, nice. A lot of it's black and white, but there's a newer one called um, Patience. Mm-hmm. That's all color. That's phenomenal nice. as well. I think I just picked David Boring because it was like the last one from him I had read, but I've read most of his books. It's just like, it's so cool. Oh, wow. Okay. It's so fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's one of those ones. I guess you can... Yeah, we had one of the... Um, one of the loonies, Midkine, MK, he was on, mm-hmm. and we went through the Filipino mythology. Um, yeah, that was really cool. That was very weird as well, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I can I can see the allure of um, this kind of surreal uh, journey through some of these stories. Yeah, um, I really like that kind of stuff. It's part of the reason I'm a big Moon Knight fan. Sometimes yeah. it gets really surreal and weird. Yeah, oh, that's one of the aspects um, that I like about mm-hmm. it as well. No, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, oh, here's, uh, here's Samuels. Thank you, Samuels. Thank you. Just clink them, clink them down. Oh, yep, we've got some biggies, some Tim Tams here. Um, Noel, are you familiar with Tim Tams? No. No, oh. You've got actually a little shout out uh, to one of the loonies, Josh. I saw it on his Facebook. He's been introduced by, uh, I guess, a friend um, from overseas. They send him some Tim Tams. They're Aussie biscuits. Um, They Ah. are very addictive, uh, covered in chocolate. They sound deceptively simple, covered in chocolate, uh, (laughs) double layer, a bit of cream in the middle, um, but you will not stop at one. You'll finish the whole packet. Anyway, Noel, um, there you go. Um, with your coffee and raw sugar and almond milk. Thank you, Samuels. Oh, yep, nice piping hot black coffee there. Excellent. All right, well, um, all right, we, we better get settled in. We've actually only got a couple more, but I've got a few more questions that I'd like to ask you, you know. Uh, next one mm-hmm. is I Kill Giants by Joe Kelly. I'm familiar with that title. And J.M. Ken Namuka. Um... I Kill Giants. This uh... Yeah, uh, really quick. It's just a, another kind of indie black and white yep. book, but it's a little bit more recent. Joe Kelly, I think. What is he writing? Did he write some Deadpool? He wrote some Deadpool. Oh, yeah, Big Run and Deadpool. Uh, he wrote some Daredevil as well. So he, he's been oh, around right. in Marvel. He did. Yeah. Yeah, he's been around. He's part of the Man of Action Studios collaborative. 
Oh, Those guys do comics and cartoons and I've, things like that. I've yeah. always wanted to know who Man of Action was in the cartoons because I do see that um, in the credits. Yeah, oh, they've right. done a lot of stuff. Right. He's a pretty pretty cool guy. I haven't read a lot of his mainstream stuff, but mm-hmm. um, I've seen his name on other things. But I just picked up I Kill Giants as a recommendation from somebody, and it's uh, just a heartbreaking book. Oh. It's just about a little girl who, who uh, fights giants. Oh, uh, and they're not actually giants, so you can just oh, isn't take it from there? Oh, really? It comes kind of from a yeah. There's kind of a mystery that you don't learn what's. You can kind of get clues on what's happened in her personal life, yeah. but um, uh, it's just I don't. know. It's really sad. Who, who's this? Uh, who prints this? Um, this trade? I think it may have been Image Comics. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. I think it's a, yeah. It is an Image book. Okay. Nice one. That sounds good. These, well, these all sound good. Um, the, yeah, the ones it's are, really good. Yeah. It's really well written. The art is really cool. Cool. It's very sketchy and cartoony. Yeah. It's happy looking, but because it's black and white, and because of the sort right. of the premise of the story, it's it's makes it a lot heavier. It's really cool. I, I like that. Um, actually, Noel, um, just to indulge myself, uh, uh, the Spencer and Locke um, trade uh, from Action Labs, which. Uh, I spoke about mm-hmm. on uh, Signal of Doom. Shout out to those guys, uh, Trade of the Week. That's what I like about that story as well. The artwork is very, um, it was very, I don't know, cartoony, um, light and fluffy, but the the content is actually quite dark. Um, and for all intents, I mean, that's kind of how you described I Kill Giants. And I really like that use yeah. of that, that kind of contrast between what you actually see visually um, because you kind of lull into a false sense of you know, this is this is nice and this is, you know, this is comfy. Yeah, it's the same way. It's like when there's a song that's kind of happy and yeah. poppy yeah, sounding, exactly. but the lyrics are just a drag. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like a really when you actually it almost enhances the seriousness of it. Yeah, like when somehow you, you stop and kind of analyze and oh, still yeah, look at the lyrics. It still kind of takes the piss out of it a little bit, but it also yeah, yeah. I don't. Know, I, there's something about that. Yeah, dichotomy. I really like. Cool. I kill giants. Um, mm-hmm. And the last. And similarly, the last one is Jeff Smith's Bone. Yes. Now Bone, also... I have heard of. Yeah. Have you read any of it? No. Before? Is that that little white fella? Like the little white. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It looks like uh, like like Pogo or whatever yeah. that old cartoon was. Yeah. Sort of. A, it's kind of a Disney looking kind of yeah. creation. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. It's sort of like imagine if you took sort of like these little kind of disney type characters but who come from like a modern city mm-hmm. uh and to sort of dump them into lord of the rings or something okay it's so it's kind of a fantasy it's just a, yeah, it's well. a fantastic book it's i mean i think it's actually i tried to look up yesterday what were the most highest selling graphic novels of all time mm-hmm. um and i know i mean bone is it even says somewhere on one of these books you know like you know, over six billion sold or whatever, wow. or whatever the number was, a million probably. Yeah. Um, but there, I could not find any information on what because I was talking with a friend about if, um, if they're going to ruin Watchmen with this new HBO series, or if they've ruined it with the movie before, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, and I was like, well, it's just kind of a you know, it's a popular IP that that a giant corporation holds and they can do whatever they want with it and he was made the good point of well how many people actually know who've actually read Watchmen is mm. it that popular of an IP or is it just that open to interpretation yeah 
And I was like, ah, that's a good point. So I was like, well, how many people have read that? And I tried to look it up and couldn't find. It was like, what are the best graphic novels of all time? Yeah. Or, you know, top 10. But I was like, what is the biggest selling graphic novels? Yeah. Is what I'd like to know. Well, Bones been around no for numbers. a Yeah. Bones been yeah, around. Bones been around since the 90s. Oh, okay. I th- yeah, okay. I thought it would have been longer. But yeah, I mean, I mean, that is, geez, that's what, nearly 30 years ago. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, that would have racked up because I've always seen it around. Out of all the like uh, independent alternate comics, I always come across mm-hmm. Bone, um, and it does stand out because yeah, like you say, the the uh, title character that is the name, right? Bone is that the little one? Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, there's three of them. Oh, again, okay, they're all three. cousins. Uh, <laughs> it's like phony, phony Bone, and uh, I'm forgetting their names now. Um, but yeah, they all have different, it's just, they're really, it's really funny. It's a hilarious book. Cool. Um, but it gets, can get really serious yeah. and really cool, like in a very sort of Tolkien kind of way. And there's like mystical things and dragons and all this kind of oh, stuff. Wow. But then it's brought, okay. but it's brought back down to earth by the bone characters, which are always really funny. Yeah. And is it, um, the narrative is kind of linear? Like, it's not um, um, David Lynchian or anything like that? It's, it's, no, it's it's yeah. it's just, it tells a story, yeah, it's linear, yeah. it's just... Okay. It's the, you know, it starts off with them uh, getting kicked out of the, the town they're from, Bone, Boneville. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, and uh, it's one of one of the cousins is kind of like a, a shyster kind of grif, grifter. Yes, and he gets the three of them all kicked out of their town, and so and they end up wandering into this valley. Bone, bone valley? There, they, uh, no, it's just a, it's the different valley. Yeah. And they, from there, the sort of uh, the whole thing takes off, and they get yeah. involved in this whole other world that they didn't know existed. And it's pretty cool. Nice is. And I mean, it's been around, as you're saying, since the '90s. So, is this just one novel? What? Uh, no, it it was done. It was floppies. They were originally it okay. issues. Yeah, yeah. And it was they were black and white. And then he put them. Jeff Smith, the artist and writer, put them out himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was similar. It was kind of the second coming of the turtles in some way. Yeah. It really blew up and took off. Uh, and then I think Image maybe printed it for a little bit after they started. Oh, okay. Right. And then he went back to doing it himself. And then Scholactic, mm-hmm. which is a big publishing company, um, did them all in trades, like kind of a children's size oh, graphic like novel and broke, broke them up. Yeah, broke them up into like, I think like eight or nine volumes mm-hmm. of all of them. And then had them re. Because they're originally black and white, but then they had them colored for the um, Scholactic version, and the coloring is actually really good. They did a good job. Yeah, I think I've seen the color um, color versions. Yeah. yeah, I guess Jeff Smith went through every page with the colorist. Wow, um, meticulously and just like explained like where things needed to be colored and where they didn't need to be, and where, I don't know. They just did a really great job. That's really cool. I mean. Yeah. There is one huge collection of the black and white that I've seen before. Okay. Like all all eight volumes worth in one book. It's just wow. e- enormous. Like an omnibus. But yeah. That would be yeah, that would be nice really to have cool. on the shelf. Yeah. 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 Well, I always like hearing those things about the creators being so um so proud and um you know, that level of care for, for their creations. Um yeah, it's really it's part of the reason why I think I got into indie books more than I did the big two mm. pretty early on. It was just you could you could feel 
that there wasn't like the thumb of an editor yeah. on it. Yeah. And and in a good way, because I, I believe you need an editor to oh, kind of, of hone your vision, but not to push you where the story should go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and you could just tell that with things like Bone and Ninja Turtles mm-hmm. and um, a lot of the other stuff in the 80s well, where they were just like, do what you feel. And it just mm-hmm. feels more rebellious, sort of, and yeah, uh, punk, kind of punk rock, for lack of a better <laughs> thing. And it, you just get more interesting stories. And sometimes they fly off the rails, but if they do, they do. Who cares? Yeah. So like, I think it's what, cool. that's why a lot of people do like Image as well. Image has that freedom. Um, it's so funny because like when I was first collecting comics, it, Image was very much um, a stable for all the superstars you know, of the 90s. Uh, they all kind of yeah. left Marvel and they formed this new company. Uh, then they kind of slowly drifted away. Eric Larson's still there and, and Todd McFarlane, um, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's become like a, a nice kind of... Um, place where creators can actually spread their wings a bit and and even the you're talking about editors um you have like delays and stuff with titles because i think there's there's a such a loose well for me it seemed like there's a a looser um feel to it like you you know you just get around to it when you can like we realize that you might have other gigs with say maybe maybe marvel or dc but um yeah come back to what you like like that that plagued image at first i remember okay um, way back when, they were like, these books are always late. And yeah. that was kind of the, the rag on Image Comics was like, you guys can't manage yourselves. Ah, you right. suck. You, yeah. could, you could never get a book out on time. Co- comic shops are pissed off at them constantly. Yeah. But right. eventually, yeah, it kind of became sort of like, what if Vertigo is free? Mm. You know, like do whatever you want. And that probably has something to do with Walking Dead being a hit, I guess. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I've never read any Walking Dead books, but, like, oh. I would imagine that kind of really... I mean, there's been, since Walking Dead, a lot of image books, like, picked up. A lot of them I could have put on this list that yeah. I just love. And you can you can just tell that they put their all yeah. into those stories. You know, like Sex Criminals, which I think I talked about mm-hmm. last time I was on. Oh, yes. Those two actually do pay an editor to edit their comic. Yeah. But the company doesn't. They do it themselves. Oh, okay. Right. Um, right. But a lot of a lot of the, those guys. But you know, they come from, or at least Matt Fraction obviously comes from, working on big titles. So he was like, "No, yeah. we need an editor." Yeah. So uh, they pay somebody out of pocket to do it. Right, because they they know the the worth and the value of one. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. No. It, it's um. No. It, it's really. Um, yeah. I really do like a lot of the image titles, and you you got the big ones like even like Saga. I think, uh, isn't, yeah. aren't they taking like a year off or something like that before they... They took, yeah, they're coming back soon. Yeah. But they, I think they announced that they have a final, yes. like what the final issue is going to be. Yeah. But, you know, they make no bones about it. They, they just say, okay, well, we're going to have to take a bit of a break <laughs> and uh, yeah. it's going to come out when it comes out. And, but people don't mm-hmm. mind because it is such a good, no. it is such a good title. So, uh, yeah. And they've set it up that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it probably helped that they had all those late books back in the day, and so people were just like, nah. Yeah. Now it's like half of the course. <laughs> yeah, great art takes time. Yeah. And it's like the, the quality of image books now. Oh, they're good. Yeah. And I don't, they're, I don't, and I don't mean, you know, the physical quality. The books are fine. But, like, the quality of story is mm. so much higher. Like, you rarely hear people go, 
oh yeah you know i didn't like the middle arc of yeah. saga or whatever like the way they would with say you know captain america or yeah. something they're yeah. like oh i'm not really liking this writers it's a it's a really different beast and it feels like a fuller yeah project and story it's because i think exactly as you say because they throw themselves into it wholeheartedly and, and so that you yeah. get that consistency and they probably have a, a vision they know where it's going whereas they're not going to be kind of um put off course by maybe editors input and stuff so, you, you know yeah I, I can totally see that um look uh no before we go to a break and before we get into your your top four desert island books there is one other question which uh, we always ask as well, and I thought it would be good to set us up for your your books. Um, Moon Knight, of course, this is a Moon Knight podcast. How did you get into Moon Knight? Um, like when you well, were, I remember like, seeing him on the, the shelves when I was a little kid. Yeah. They actually had um, probably Fist of... I mean, I'm sure oh, I think I saw Fist some of, of his first run, but it, yeah. I remember I just recently picked up all the Fist of Kanshu mm-hmm. and Floppies. Yeah. I mean, it's only five or six issues yeah. or whatever. So That's I was right. able to find them for almost nothing. Nice. Um, but, like, just looking at those covers immediately, it was like, yep, I remember seeing all of these on the shelves in, like, 84, 5, whenever they came out. Wow. So yeah, it would have been like that. But I was like, I remember specifically seeing, buying those. I had them. Yeah. Um, so it was the aesthetic of Mood Knight or the composition yeah, of the just titles, cool. yeah? Yeah, I mean, you know, like, if you look at the cover, like, this kind of looks like Silver Surfer. <laughs> so for my, like, you know, little, like, under 10-year-old brain, I'm sure I would have been like, looks cool, yeah. gonna buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, after just reading those stories again, I was like, nope, don't remember any of these. Yeah. But I do remember the covers of all of them. It's yeah. like a couple of years ago, I picked up the the, um, the hardbound version of uh, Kitty Pride and Wolverine, uh-huh. which I owned all on floppies, too, when I was a kid, and I was like don't remember the story whatsoever <laughs> i remember i remember every drawing though yeah i remember the artwork like down to a t yeah i remember like the 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 demon head ninjas and all that stuff but i was like yeah don't remember the story whatsoever yeah. i didn't remember that kitty pride gets brainwashed and yeah wolverine has to go save her and i'm like nope nope don't remember that but yeah well i, I think with the i think with moon knight you can be excused i think at that early age because uh, and it, it makes sense that the artwork lingers with you more than the story because, I mean, a lot of the stories are, um, I'd imagine, uh, f- more for mature readers. It, it's, I mean, I'm not saying that kids can't read Moon Knight, but um, the earlier ones as well. I mean, uh, spoilers here, listeners, we do have one featured coming up in, in uh, <laughs> Noel's Desert Island. But it, they do tackle, like, with Doug Mensch and um, the early writers... Um, is it Warner? Zelen- Alan Zelens. Uh, they do tackle mm-hmm. harsher, harsher issues, which um, harsher, like as in social issues, uh, which yeah. as a, a young child you probably wouldn't, you know, put much importance or, or find that interesting in. So, um, yeah, well, I remember thinking with a lot of these books, like, I mean, the city I'm from is a pretty s- small city you know mm-hmm. it's like going downtown i would see nothing like any of these books yeah yeah <laughs> so, uh so it's yeah diff- different it scared me a little bit in some ways like i don't is the city really like this i'm like nope it's not even new york city was not like this at this time yeah right okay uh, yeah uh but yeah what they were really but i remember i did i did have some of the um when i when i discovered the comic shop buying some back issues of uh, 
some of the original of volume one as well because the more i've picked up of those i'm like oh yep i had this one mm-hmm. oh i had this one i remember because the art was so amazing yeah. like i used i mean more than story i think spider-man stories is what i really liked when i was a little kid but it was the art of all of the marvel books that i liked even more and i'm a sucker for that i think we talked about that before that 80s sort of house style yes like al milgram and a lot of those people and i've got friends yeah, who are artists beautiful. who do comics now and they're like ugh, like it's cool that you like Bill Sienkiewicz, but Al Milgram? I'm like, I love Al Milgram. This stuff is great. He's great. Yeah. Does yeah. it look Does it look like an 80s Marvel comic book? Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I totally know. We, I'm a big um, Al, Milgram, Al Milgram fan myself. I do, mm-hmm. I do like his stuff. Um, yeah, right. Okay. So, uh, the the visuals got you. And then... Right off the shelf there, loonies as well. Because, uh, again, as I say, a lot of loonies approach Moon Knight in different ways. Um, we've had mm-hmm. a fair few of them uh, introduced through their games, um, the video games, yeah. um, the older runs, obviously, as well. But, like, yeah, that, that's great to hear. That, um, he, It's funny as well. I mean, we'll get to it. Uh, one of the, the issues that you know, you've chosen, there's a bit of a... Um, I was reading the um, the editor's notes at the back. I can't remember. I think it was Denny O'Neill, and they're talking about like you know, thanks for buying the issue and stuff. We are trying to find, um, you know, they're they're trying to find their footing for Moon Knight. They're saying like we're trying to find, uh, you know, what what stories we should tell, whether we should have two stories in the issue or not. You know, because they didn't really know how to approach him. Um, But uh, you you were. What is the? does the epic collection have the backups that are in this yes. one? Yeah, they do. Because there's a yeah, there's a whole backup in this one mm. issue. Yeah, the uh, the cabbie the cabbie story, mm-hmm. yeah. the cabbie killer, cabbie killer. <laughs> anyway, we'll we'll get to that. Um, Noel, I think it's time. I have a, a proposition. Um, why don't you come along with me down the hall? And uh, as we walk to, we're going to go in the limo driven by Samuels, and uh, we're going to go to to Brooklyn. How's that for our um, look at your third and fourth um, choices for the Desert Island books? Uh, have you got all your stuff, all your gear? I do. Excellent. All right, well, uh, let's hop in, and on the other side of this break, we'll be right back with Noel's Desert Island Isla Ra books. Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health analysis of comic book characters. So check us out at capesonthecouch.live and across all social media platforms at Capes on the Couch. Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. We are here in a uh, a bar in Brooklyn. I have uh, <laughs> forgotten a union. Is it the union? In the theater, in the theater of the mind, <laughs> the we have now entered the, the union pool. The union pool. That's it. A union pool. It's uh, looking Unless good. I'm getting that name wrong. 
Oh, <laughs> anyway, in the sh- anyway, theater of the mind. In theater of the mind, this universe <laughs> we're in, uh, you know, sticky, uh, sticky floor from spilt beer. You know, there's a bit of right. chatter in the background. Uh, we found ourselves mm-hmm. a nice little spot here to go through uh, the first book. Now, what I thought I thought would pick uh, Moon Knight. This is out of your four books. Uh, start with Moon Knight, do you? So yeah, yeah so right. Moon Knight Volume One Twenty Six is Noel's uh, one of Noel's four books, and it's uh, titled uh, Hit It. And uh, this is the reason why we're here, Noel, because uh, oh, yeah. and what I really enjoyed um, about it. Anyway, I'll let you uh, I'll let you explain um, what this issue is mainly about. Okay. Um. I mean, it's 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 really about nothing, really. I mean, not about nothing. It's about something, but it's 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 the easiest little story. It is, you know. It's like a, a, a man is angry, and he goes to beat up a guy who picked on him when he was a child. Ooh. And Moon Knight shows up and feels pity for them, but then just decides to kick his ass anyway. The end. I mean, that's pretty, pretty, that's much. pretty much what happens. In a, in a um, nutshell, yeah. It is very but simple. But the storytelling through the visuals oh. makes it so much more intense. Yeah, it does, yeah. And, like, I don't I don't think I could even do it justice other than giving it a synopsis like that, because that's really just what happens. It is it's hard. It's like this guy sees... What yeah. it is, it is obituaries. His father dies. Yes, his father right? dies, yeah. And, um... And then it's just, I don't know, is he at work or something? Uh, or hanging out with his gang I think he's hanging out with his friends. Uh, also, he just re- yeah. He's reading the paper and then he just does, he bolts. <laughs> he just he just flips out and he bolts and he's yeah. on his way to find... Uh, to go to the, um, the... I think he's going to the, the morgue or something. Going to the morgue, yeah, the, the, the church the funeral where place. his father is uh, at. Yeah. yeah, the funeral part. And um, on his way there, he's just like... Kicking people's butts. Yeah, this is <laughs> somehow this guy is just really a kick-ass fighter. Yeah, and but there's all it's just interspersed with all these great things where they don't ever they don't ever tell you that um, what exactly happened to this guy, but just through the visuals, you know exactly what happened mm. to him. They have all these you know the drawings that uh, Sinkevich does of a small child getting his fit, you know getting beat. Yes. Childlike that are placed yeah. through every, and if everything is, every image is laid out in sort of a musical meter, and plus with the musical. Yes, yes, the you know. the marriage of the of music in it as well. I think that gives it that sense mm-hmm. of that gives it tension, um, which as you were mentioning, yeah. it, it creates this mood because, and again, yes, yeah, Sinkevich's art, my gosh, um, the way he's laid out stuff with even the very beginning. I love it that oh, that kind of the jazz. Beginning, this, uh, yeah, yeah, and you could tell that there's he's drawing some from um, photo reference. Mm-hmm. Yes, like the first uh, splash page, I guess, where it says "Hit it." Yeah. Oh, I mean, that looks like Miles Davis. Yes, he just put it behind a drum kit. Yeah, yeah. And later on, there's there's like the rock band. He goes to a rock cl- through a rock club or something. Yes, uh, there's Louis Armstrong. And there's drawings of yeah. Louis, Ar- there's Led Zeppelin. It's Led clearly Zeppelin. Yeah. pictures of like Robert Plant spinning the microphone and stuff. Yeah, um, but it's so well, and it fits so well into the story, and just gives it a beat. Because if you know, if this would have been laid out in a normal comic, yeah. it would be two pages, maybe. Mm. This guy gets pissed, he runs over, he beats somebody up, goes to the next one over. But um, 
because of yeah the laid out it, it has like this intensity to it it does it's almost you know and it's always a thing with Moon Knight and so many of his comics are cinematic and they have to be laid out that way yeah yeah it's um it, the guy is it's I wouldn't say it's comic uh, the fact that obviously he was, he's been abused um is, is quite a heavy subject to have for this story the fact I don't, he, he goes around and he's just smacking people <laughs> and he's on his way yeah. to the and, and he, I mean it's almost funny it is almost funny uh, yeah that's what I was alluding to and especially the way it ends because he's just yeah. it's really intense and it's it's that's a serious subject it is and a serious it would yeah. I mean there's I mean but he's messed a lot up. of people who were abused when they were a child mm. it messed them up yeah. for good reason absolutely um, and I just love and when it comes to the the breaking point and you know it's saying in the thing no moon knight don't hit him don't hit him yeah don't hit him moon knight and then you turn the last page and moon knight just fuck it yeah he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's yeah stop it yeah, yeah yeah i'm a, I'm a mercenary why not i'll just punch him <laughs> but it just proves it just shows you know it's just a hint of mm. of moon knight's yeah psychological damage as well because yeah, he's like true. damn it and he he's pissed at himself for not being able to hold back yeah even after you know, and after he gets hit, of course, most people would want to hit somebody back. But you should be better than that. But Moon Knight sh- isn't exactly. It shows him as fallible. It shows him as flawed, mm-hmm. which I think is really, really cool. Because yeah, you'd expect that he just takes a higher ground and not do it, but he just socks him at the end. Well, I mean, the guy punches a priest as well. So it's, yeah, it's just all, <laughs> and he, and he punches Moon Knight at the back of the head. Like every, there's no rules for this guy. Um, so, no. so you kind of. Almost as well, like there's a part of you kind of going, yeah, this guy does deserve to be hit because he's just he's doing everything, like to get hit, you know, and 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 that's a point as well. He wants to get hit. As well, I mean, well. he's literally he's literally asking for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, come on, Moon Knight, what are you doing? Mm. Hit me, hit me. And uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, he literally says, hit me. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, and uh, and again, obviously, this kind of parallels with the, uh, I guess, percussion. I mean, at the beginning, it's all about hit it, hit it, hit it. Um, so yep. as you say, the, the beats start coming um, in yeah. into the story. Uh, but yeah, this was a one of the more different Moon Knight issues. I mean, a lot of Moon Knight stories in issues deal with the darker aspects of humanity, but this one goes. Um, Doug Mensch really does something different here. Well, yeah, I was. I think I read an interview, or maybe I saw he was on Cartoonist Kayfabe. He might have been talking about this. Mm-hmm. This great new YouTube channel that um, Jim Rub, Jim Rug, and uh, Ed Piscor started. Okay, I highly highly recommend it. They're two kind of indie cartoonists. Ed Piscor, I've stuff heard of. Yeah. At Piscor, he's been doing the um, X-Men Grand Design. Ah, that's where I've heard him. Yep, okay. But his, his style is really kind of weird and unique. It looks very sort of kind of 70s comics with an X style, kind of like, um, uh, you know, like Fritz the Cat or something like ah, that. Okay. Like his, right. it's he's got really, He also did a hip-hop family tree comic that's really cool. Oh, that cool. Fanographics put out. Really weird stuff, and... But he was, I mean, he's into a lot of the same, he's into a lot of the, when he was a kid, you know, he read X-Men and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, they did an interview recently with Sienkiewicz at a, at a fest or something. And I can't remember if it was on that or if it was an, an interview, but this was mostly plotted 
by Sienkiewicz, the story was. Oh, okay. And it was very, very, like, Marvel method, but leaned heavily on the artist. Right, so he... He came up with a story, and that's part of why I guess the story is so simple. Mm-hmm. And short, probably, as well. Yeah, yeah and yeah. short as well. It's just because it's also, I think, is this his last... If not his last issue, it's one of the last issues he did. Ah, uh, yeah, it's getting close night. to it, yeah. Yeah, I remember... Oh, God, is it Terry Austin takes over? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, Nolan does some art, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. But he was just talking about how he... This is where he felt he really kind of came into his own on Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. And yeah. after this is when he was like, well, I've sort of reached a... I've, I've gone from being a, a Neil Adams clone, which I don't think he really was, but... um to finding my own thing and like what yeah. I think the next thing he did was New Mutants right after yeah. this yeah. our next big thing or what maybe Electra, which is even more insane huh. um, in, in, insane in a good way yeah yeah for sure uh, but it's really like for, for a book that came out what 1982 uh-huh. this art is it's crazy. Leaps and bounds beyond anything anybody was doing at the time. Yeah. Well, and, and you just have to and look. even in storytelling-wise, yeah. it was leaps oh, and yeah. bounds. Oh, true. I mean, I, it, it's almost like this influenced Denny O'Neill. Like, I'm sure he was looking at this as an editor and being like, holy shit. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, it, it, he, he stole some of these kind of stories for his, you know, Batman stuff. Yeah. They probably were starting to see, like, this young kid. Because Sienkiewicz started really young. At, well, actually, yeah. he's still very young. There. I think he started nineteen, um, something. Like yeah, in while he was in college. While he was in college, and uh, so what? Nineteen eighty. So it was when issue one came out. This is two years later. He's uh, you know he's in his early twenties now, and he's just he's just producing this sort of stuff, which is. And wasn't said, he doing stuff in the Black and White Holt magazine too? Isn't that he was as well? Yes, he was. You're right. He was. Um, so that was, oh yeah, that was prior. He was a teenager. Yeah, ten, so that's, yeah, that's, that's before 1980, right, yeah, so. Yeah, and that artwork is amazing too. That I is mean, great. It looks like, it looks like comics of the time, but it's still like yeah. the highest caliber of artwork, and he was like oh, 19 or 20. I know, it's crazy. But then you look at that chalk and cheese with what, you know, the first couple of pages of this issue 26, and you can see how far he's come, um. Mm-hmm. Absolutely brilliant. How about um? I mean, sorry. No, that just yeah. The first couple of pages with the the band, yeah, and the, yeah, all that stuff. But that first splash page of Moon Knight swinging across the city. Oh, that yes, that's iconic as well. Yeah, it's just like with the ink splashes everywhere. Yeah, and it's so well, good. I the love... anatomy on Moon Knight looks great, but the background is like uh, it's there's like a slight Dutch angle where everything's tilted a little bit to the yeah. left. Yeah, I love, I love, good. yeah, it's, I love the backgrounds and stuff that um, Sienkiewicz does as well. I mean, there's that, and then he does the mm-hmm. dripping, the dripping inks and the very first page or paint or, you know, it, it just mm-hmm. really, stuff that you don't usually see, it's really good. Um, obviously, I'm assuming, Noel, now correct me if I'm wrong, that hit it, this, uh, the first story was um, what caught your eye for this issue. Uh Cabbie Killers, um, which is a backup story, um, a different a different uh, spin, a different angle. <laughs> uh, yeah, it feels a little bit more like the first couple issues of Mention Sienkiewicz's run. Yeah, I'd say definitely. You know, mm. um, just kind of like up, oh, it's a city thing. 
like slasher or something like that, you know? Yeah, a city thing with um, street levels, um, uh, you know, not... I say not really totally memorable. Um, <laughs> like uh, they are just villains um, made for this particular issue. There's a dude here. He's uh, the main bad guy, right? He's a he's dressed up in like a skipper's outfit. He's he's a superhuman <laughs> yeah. or something. Uh, <laughs> super strong, super durable. Mooney obviously yeah, does. Yeah, like kind of a kingpin like kingpin. Yeah. Um, so Mooney, actually, again, I, I love Mooney taking him on, though. Like, he's taking on the guy that he obviously can't beat. Uh, manages to to leverage his weight and throw him and then knock him out while he's off balance. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> showing his... his yeah, that's good. That's the best part of that story yeah. is that fight at the end. Yeah, it me, looks, it's drawn really well. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree as well. Um, because the premise is pretty... It's pretty far-fetched. It's what, um, there's some evidence left in a cab, so the plan mm-hmm. from the bad guys is to blow up every cab. Uh, uh, they, they, they triangulate <laughs> it, I guess, and, and figure it out. that it, these, well, That's what you do, you, you know, yeah. if you've messed something up and you can't figure it out, you just blow up everything you possibly can. <laughs> that's it, that's it. Wipe it clean. Um, so they, I think... I mean, I really do love that sort of, like, ridiculous... Villain logic. There's a, you know, yeah, there's a charm to it. Something about it that just like. Have you seen? Have you seen the new Spider-Man movie? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and a slight spoiler for that. So when everybody knows that Mysterio is the bad guy, and if you ever thought he was going to be the good guy, mm-hmm. you're you've never read a fucking comic yeah, book. But right. the part the part where he does turn and he's giving that monologue mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, displaying his whole evil plan or whatever. Oh, yes, yes. Killed me because it was the first time they ever did sort of like a Stan Lee Actually, you're right. villain dialogue in a movie. Like, I was like, that was I never amazing. Can... That sounded like it came right from Stan Lee's typewriter. I never can... it was so... Yeah, I never it considered so... that. It was taken seriously, but it was still obviously like goofy as hell. Yeah. And it was, per- I was like, this is maybe the most, one of the most perfect Marvel moments in all of these movies. Yeah, true to the comic. Yeah, you're right. Actually, that yeah. is a really. And some people were like, oh, I don't know when he gave his monologue. I mean, it's very, you know, like The Incredibles or something. And I was like, yeah. no, this, Stanley invented this shit, yeah. man. Like, uh-huh. this was amazing. And, but so that's, that's like, that kind of, like, whenever there's like a Doctor Doom, you know, yeah. maniacal monologue or something like that in any of these comics, I just eat it up. It's my favorite. Yeah. It's just like such a. Such a super villain thing to do. Uh, I love it more than anything. You can tell it's so that great. the villains they just get their jollies when they um, when they get to <laughs> you know expound yeah. on on their plans and you know relish mm-hmm. in the moment. It's funny, but wow, yeah. that's a good that's pick why up. Even in this, yeah. even in this comic, it's just great. They're just yeah. like classic villain stuff, and I love it. <laughs> you know, there's even one like panel of all of them. It's just their heads. Yeah, looking. <laughs> yeah, they, that's they're right. looking like. Yeah, kind of looks like. Um, Am I blanking on the name of that team? Uh, uh, that f- uh, Spider-Man classic. Sinister Six? No. No, 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 no. The, um, they're just like gangsters, pretty much. Oh. They pop up all the time. I'm, why am I blanking on them? Magia? I refer no. to them. All. Okay. No. Uh, I'll, for, I'll remember it later. Uh-huh. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you shout it in the middle of the night. Yeah. Exactly. Your neighbors will wonder what the hell's going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, so it's... Uh, oh, the Enforcers. The Enforcers. Oh, the old, there's about. only two of them, though, right? The Enforcers, is that no, right? No, there's four of them. Is there four of them? Okay. And yeah. It, and they're all kind of old school. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, Ox. Fancy. Yeah, Ox is one of the big oaf. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, no, the, the art for this backup story is, is really cool, I reckon. And you're right, it's, mm-hmm. it is more, more of the older, early, earlier versions of, um, of Moon Knight. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's like Keith Pollard just picked up, like, issue two and was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I can do that. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me just uh, calibrate. Yeah, yeah, okay, yep, yeah. I got it. I can do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right, so the next one we have here, we'll, we'll do two before we have a little break and get uh, get whisked away somewhere else. The other one here Very I'm going to pick. So you've given me free reign to pick here. So I picked the Moonlight one because that was a good one to start off at. Second mm-hmm. one I'm going to pick is uh, this rather rare one, I believe. Uh, it is mm-hmm. Fugitoid. Uh, That's right. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, I read this. Have you ever heard of this before? Never. No. I've heard. I just. I read it today. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty cool. And I was very surprised at the end. Um, I, I was like jumping <laughs> with joy there. <laughs> uh, but this oh, was yeah? this was a really cool. Like, why did you pick this one? Like, is it um, the association? Well, there's a story. Yeah. It's yeah. It's association. It's um, this character I've always remembered like the a little bit of the back like when i was talking about that second sort of comic book store that i would go to that carried the mm-hmm. weird stuff where i first saw the ninja turtles and this book was on the was on the rack yes. obviously and i was like looked it was like oh that looks like the ninja turtles guys ah. picked it up and it was like oh it is the ninja turtles guys so i bought it um and read it and realized it, that it was those guys but then you know, probably sold it when I sold the rest of my Ninja Turtles books when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And then recently, I was at the third or fourth iteration of that same comic book store called it's called Dreamhaven. I'll shout it out to the people who around. And they've moved a lot um, since being in a little teeny shop of my old school. But they're a friend of mine and I. They they do once a year like a bag sale. Okay. You know, it's like you yeah. you you spend you know a few few bucks and you buy like a little bag from them and you fill it up with anything that they put in the sale wow that sounds cool and so yeah so we went there and um they had everything out and it was mostly just like pulp novels like the the star trek section was crazy (laughs) like Mm. hundreds of different versions of all the different star trek books because nobody buys those things and just like a lot of pulp novels and a couple long boxes of random comics um and so you buy like either a small kind of like a lunch bag or for like 10 bucks or bigger grocery bag for like 20 bucks and shove as many books into those bags as you can it's pretty cool but we looked through and i couldn't find a single thing i wanted (laughs) so we just we went and they had that outside and we went into the shop and just dug around and the place is it's been around forever so it's a bit of a mess but they've got a lot of stuff they have a lot of really cool like artist editions but they've got a lot of old backups of you know, art edition, artist editions for, like, you know, Jack Kirby or Steve mm-hmm. Ditko, things like that. Or tons of, like, pulp magazines from back in the day that are all kinds of different prices. Um, like, you know, horror, like, f- f- uh, what was that horror magazine? Um, Fantagoria. Oh, Fangoria. Fangoria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things like, you know, old backups of that and all kinds of crazy. And they had a bunch of... Um, um, comics up front for pretty cheap, but just shoved away in a quarter was in a corner somewhere was like ten copies of this Fugitoid book, and I was like, "Holy shit! I have not seen this since I was a kid." 
Wow. And I remember he was part of it and uh, pulled one out, and they had it listed for sale less than the cover price of the actual comic. Wow. And I was like, well, crap, I should probably buy all of these. <laughs> and I just bought one yeah. bought one instead, yeah. and I went, went up to the went up to the guy at the counter who was the same guy who was at the counter of him when I was like 12 years old. Wow. And I was like, last time I bought this, I was at your store, <laughs> your first location, and I bought it for 50 cents more than I'm about to pay you right now. And he was like, yeah, cool, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, wow. Great. And I freaked out and I got online and, you know, it's not like it's worth a lot of money or anything, but it's definitely worth more than the buck I paid for mm. it. Mm. Um, it's pretty, the story it, was is, it in pretty good nick as well, yeah? Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I should have bought them all. I don't know what I was thinking. I'll probably go back. I'm sure they'll still be there. Yeah. Um, but I guess this was their Eastman and Lair, the creator of the Turtles. It was their first idea mm-hmm. for a comic that they tried to sell to other publishing companies before they started Mirage Studios. Right. And so they had most of it drawn up. The art is great in this. I like this. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it's like their art, obviously. Mm. Like, for me, I can look at it right away and be like, yep, that's Eastman and Laird. Okay. Because right. when the two of them... I can pretty much eyeball any of their art separately, but there's something... Like, they really work together whenever they worked on this early stuff. Yeah, right. Like, even panel to panel, or one guy would draw a page and the other guy would ink, and then vice versa. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's hand-lettered by them. Yeah. Um, you could tell, like, their handwriting, I can even recognize their handwriting yeah so it's, it's pretty cool but the story the story is basically just the fugitive yes like the old classic story well, except for the yeah, yeah except he for, gets mind swapped yeah. with a robot yeah <laughs> it's pretty cool he's building a machine yeah the trans where you can something. Yeah. yeah where you can control matter it's yeah. like a mind over matter a little helmet you put on mm-hmm. and it works and then he can sense his robot's feelings yes and he goes out to make sure his robot Sal. And he goes out to make sure that Sal's okay. Yeah. When he's been out working in the yard, and Sal's in a bit of trouble, and he helps him out, and then they get zapped by lightning, like they're the Flash or something. Yeah. And, and then uh, their minds get swapped, and the the doctor's, the inventor's body dies, but his mind gets, goes into the robot. Gets burnt and charred. Yeah. Yeah, it's burnt and charred. It's kind of dark in that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just kind of sort of this it turns into a really cool kind of just a little sci-fi tale mm. of this this doctor's brain being trapped in this robot's body and the military's hunting them down hunting them down because one of the guy, the lead guy right he he finds out that he can still get his transmat you know the the creator is still in the in the robots he finds the evidence that there's the minds the the mind swap has happened. Yeah, that Doctor Honeycutt's mind okay. is in the robot now, and he was like, "Well, now I don't even have to." Yeah, yeah, because they have no rights or robots. Yeah, so yeah, robots have no rights, mm. so now I can make him do whatever I want. Yeah, which is really cool. And so they go through, and you know, Fugitoid escapes. Yes, and uh, has an adventure through the country and through the city. The woods. Uh, I've got to call out um, the the beautiful art of the the hermit crabs. The giant yeah, crabs. The giant her- aliens. Aliens, oh yeah. They're, 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 it's really good. Um, yeah, that's first, that first whole page, splash page, yeah. is just yeah, very so nice. cool. That art is like the detail, the pen detail on that is yeah. phenomenal. Happy to There's so many little hatch marks. Yeah, and happy to have that, keep that in black and white as well. It just looks really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks really cool. Another little re- reminder here, I really do like how they've split it up into really short chapters as well. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, that, yeah, something a point of difference. Um, yeah, I wonder if that's why when they were trying to sell it, if they were thinking about selling it as a, maybe shorts in an anthology book or something. Mm, yeah, could, could you know, because yeah. that's what they're they're like. What are these chapters? They're like five pages Very short. of that. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, and they definitely end They're like four or five pages. Yeah, and they all definitely end on cliffhangers. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty cool. But eventually, uh, he goes to the city, and it is captured and then auctioned off, kind of like uh, at the beginning of Star Wars. Yeah, like a slave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but there's some really cool drawing. The cities look amazing. Oh. Some of these characters and aliens they've come up with. The cities are and the detail. Phenomenal. Yeah, the detail of the city just great. Yeah, and they actually spun a lot of that off into the role-playing game that they created for this. Okay. They took a lot of these characters. Like the eventually, it's it's revealed that um, one of the the general, the army guys that are after Fugitoid, one of his. Uh, I don't know. Is she a lieutenant or something? Oh. But she's a traitor, and she's a traitor to another species that looks like a triceratops, yeah. like dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just gets weird. I love and weird. it. It's I, so I think, great. I think it's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they involved all these alien species, like in later in the role playing game for oh. the turtles, and then he, they're all after Fugitoid, and they've almost got him, and he's captured, and he's cornered, and all of a sudden, thwap. The Ninja Turtles show up yeah. and kick all these guys' asses. And then it's continued in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles issue number five, five. on sale, October 1st. Yeah. And uh, it's great. How cool is that, <laughs> eh? Uh, and so Fug- yeah. does Fugitoid then, he does appear regularly in the TMNT? Yeah, he, beco- he becomes part of the whoops, p- part of the, um, the Turtles mythos. Okay. He's in issue number he's in issue number five and he keeps going and right. they've they've even had him in like some of the later cartoons and stuff. Oh and wow. They made toys of him. But he this is his only issue, really. This is his only single issue. Single issue, yeah. And I think yeah, and I think I read somewhere that they were like I mean they had this completed before they did or almost completed before they did the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. So they were like well, we've got this character, we might as well wrap him into the turtles and we've got this whole book and Yeah. They they basically explain his origin in a quarter of the time we just did in <laughs> issue number five. Right. Yeah. So this book is almost redundant, but it's they were like, well, the artwork's done, the story's there. Let's just oh, put yeah. it out. Yeah, and the artwork you is know. beautiful. I mean, the other shout out would have to go to Fugitoid himself. Like the art on that, like yeah, it's a really cool design. Yeah, and for the inking, like the inking is very particular. Like um, mm-hmm. it's got the. Um, speckles on it to give him that kind of sheen and uh, definitely looks a lot more metallic um, yeah I'm, I'm wondering if that's um, so usually when you know you have that that dotted shading yeah it's it's like zip tone oh yeah yeah it, which is a, like a and it, yeah. you know it's like sh- sheet shading or whatever you could actually you'd literally cut it out and put place it on your oh. artwork oh okay um, so if you look actually if you go back to um that Moon Knight comic, the uh, that last page and hit it, yeah, where where uh, Moon Knight punches the guy, yeah, that we just saw. and the guy is shaded all oh, in yes. zipatone, yeah, right, it's all those dots, right, right, so that's like a separate thing that that the colorists usually or inkers would cut out from a separate sheet, okay, 
like a transparency. I never thought about in, the in technique. Place on the original artwork. Yeah. That's very clever. And so, but apparently, what Eastman and Laird had gotten a big thing of this—I think it's called um, crap. I don't remember the name of it, but it's like a similar kind of thing. But it's a kind of paper that you could ink on okay. or draw on, yeah. and then you use a chemical to bring out the zipatone effect oh, wow. on it. It's like a chemical, a chemical pen you would draw in, right? Like literally on the artwork instead of cutting it out from another sheet. It's already drawing on that stuff yeah if you look at the first couple issues of turtles it's like that stuff like crazy okay they must have just discovered <laughs> something like that right? <laughs> yeah. just gone gone to but apparently yeah. yeah apparently it's it's like highly toxic oh mm. so looks good though didn't make it for long <laughs> yeah, yeah it looks really cool <laughs> but if you look up like tmnt issue number one it's like everywhere all right it's all over it it's you can they just went ape shit with it it looks really <laughs> cool so i'm assuming that's probably what this in some places what it is but yeah. i don't know there's close-ups of like the triceratop guys mm-hmm. and there is so much hatching that that yeah. has to be just pet it's so it's crazy. It is so good isn't it yeah the art is really mm-hmm. yeah and it was a nice it was a nice um uh, simple story i thought uh, mm-hmm. really well yeah really well told it's just a it's all sci-fi tropes. It's cute. It's not the greatest story ever told, but it's a lot of other stories. It's a good mashup of a lot of other yeah. sort of stories, yeah. which is just really cool. There's some sort of Philip K. Dick feel. Yeah. There's some like Buck Rogers, Star Wars kind of stuff. Yeah, um, and as you s- or Flash Gordon. And- yeah, and as you say, the designs of the aliens is 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 a standout as well. Like, um, yeah, they've really obviously put a lot of thought into it. Uh, I really do love also the. Old man Cyclops who buys Fugitoid. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> an older <laughs> version. Got the visor on. Yeah. yeah. Well, they. I mean, they. They were known for loving uh, old comics, particularly Jack Kirby comics. Ah. Um, they're huge fans of Jack Kirby. If you read the first couple issues of TMNT. There's, I mean, there's like a guy they named after the Baxter building. There's Fantastic oh, yeah. Four jokes all over the place. Cool. The whole original origin of the Ninja Turtles is Daredevil. Yeah, that's the only thing I know of the the association. I thought, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, that's pretty funny. Yeah, and, and they just strategically did it so they avoided any sort of licensing infringements. Uh, but everyone knows. Oh, to this day, yeah, yeah everybody knows. To this yeah. day, they still make jokes about like, don't tell Marvel. <laughs> yeah. 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 I just saw an interview with Kevin Eastman from this year, and he oh, yeah. made that joke. <laughs> he made it again. He loves, he loves telling yeah. it. Yeah. Well, somebody was like, who was interviewing was like, I just realized that you guys kind of did Frank Miller Daredevil stuff at the beginning of the Ninja Turtles. And he was like, oh, you just realized that. Huh? Okay, <laughs> yeah, well, don't tell Marvel. Yeah, it's a bit of a piss take. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But in like a loving way. Yeah. yeah sure. They love that stuff. No, so Fugitoid, um, Looney's, I think it's it's a little hard to come across unless, of course, you are... Unless you want to pay me shipping, I'll go buy the rest <laughs> of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'll sell them to you. Contact... Uh, <laughs> For yeah. cover price. Exactly. I'll make a big 50-cent profit off of it. That's it. Contact uh, Looney Tunes. He'll uh, he'll set you up nice mm-hmm. nice with it. Oh, Looney Tunes has got you, son. <laughs> Looney Tunes. Um, righty, well... I think we should change location for your last two because these, um, I mean, as you said, four of them, these are your top four. I've just arbitrarily chosen 
them at random to go through. Um, but uh, we'll be back on the other side of the break with your final two Desert Island books and in a different location. Hi, this is Chris. And this is Brian. And we are the hosts of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. And you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast apps for all your Ghost Rider needs. Right on. Welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, episode 105. It's an Isla Ra Sessions. We are here with Noel Looney Tunes Tate, taking us through his um, beloved, uh, most cherished comics, comics that he'd like to take with him if he finds himself with a volleyball at a beach in a deserted island with no one around for a long time. Noel, are you ready for the last two <laughs> yeah, I want a volleyball now, just here at home. Is it a volleyball? Is it? I think it's a volleyball. Wilson? Yeah, I'm assuming it's a volleyball. Uh, Is Wilson a volleyball? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I guess he must have been. Could have been. Yeah. Who knows? Or coconut. I think we can give you a coconut. Yeah. <laughs> I got two. Yeah, could be a little bit more utilitarian with that, I guess. Yeah. Thank you for the coconut and the comic books. Excellent. Now, we are, as you can hear, loonies, it's obviously, you've got no visuals, but um, audio-wise, it's obvious, isn't it? It's obvious that we are here in, I hope I'm going to get this right, Noel, at the, uh, the Arch de, um, Arch de Triomphe. <laughs> is, is that right? Do you know where I'm coming from? Do you know my angle? No. no? <laughs> okay. I don't. What's your angle? Uh, a lot of pigeons. Where are we? A lot of pigeons around. Um, you know, you've got a loaf of bread, Noel. You're feeding them feeding the pigeons oh right right. yeah yeah gotcha. and uh there's a huge arch which i'm assuming is <laughs> i'm assuming we're in france i don't know Conchu sometimes he doesn't tell us these things he just picks things from these books you might be wondering loonies what the hell is ray rambling on about well uh the second last book in Noel's top four isla ras is sandman volume two issue See, i eight. like what you i like what you're doing here with the order of things yeah because we can no spoilers, but the last one will really yeah, yeah. <laughs> bring it right right to the headlines. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right, right. absolutely. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, this is, Sam, yes, this is the introduction of mm. his sister, Death. Yeah. This, um, it's a yeah. classic issue. It really is. It's a classic. It's, and it's really... I never read Sandman when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Because it was, it came out just after I would have started dropping. I remember seeing a couple of the original issues in the store, mm-hmm. and the covers for all of these are oh, phenomenal, they're good, aren't they? Yeah. But when I was a kid, I was like, "What the hell is that stuff?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this just looks like gob, like painted gobbledygook. <laughs> but they still caught the eye, even though I didn't like it. Yeah. It was like. You could not see it on the shelf. I remember yeah. this is crazy looking. I don't. Did know, you, I remember flipping through in it. And as a, the early on, yeah. the early issues were drawn by um, uh, what's his name? Who did uh, uh, Sam Ke- Sam Keith later? Sam Keith, yeah, yeah Sam Keith, yeah. who's amazing. He's great. But at the time, I was like, "What is this art? This is weird. What is this?" Um, yeah. yeah. But and then and then, 
later his inker, Mike Dringberge, uh, started doing the uh, pencils. Mm -hmm. And it became a little bit more kind of normal-ish looking, but still really cool. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it wasn't until years later when I started get, getting back into comic books and everybody was like, oh, you never read Sandman? I was like, well, no, they looked ridiculous. <laughs> like, you need to read it. Yeah. <laughs> so then I picked up Entree, the first several volumes, and it's it, it, it really, I mean, there's a reason why it's some of the greatest comic books ever made. Yeah, uh, agreed. <clears throat> Another Vertigo title, which I seem to like Vertigo books, apparently. Well, I mean, they do, they do um, print out really good stories, and I can't... Mm -hmm. Can't deny it. Uh, look, similar again to you, Noel, uh, I came to Sandman a little late as well. I remember my um, my friends at school who were into comics were reading it because it was the the cool thing to do because it wasn't your, your Batmans or your Spider-Mans. It was a bit alternative. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't bother with it myself, um, you know, <laughs> wanting to be alternate to the alternates. <laughs> so right. uh, I thought, nah, stuff that. Nah, um, too cool for school. Uh, and then again, the library, my, my saving grace. I went to the library, picked up the trades, uh, and it is a great um, it is a great read. Loonies or comic book fans, if you haven't read Sandman, you it really is uh, uh, highly recommended. Um, you should go check it out. And yeah, this issue, I couldn't yeah, sorry, recommend it more. Yeah. I couldn't recommend it more. It's really fantastic. It, once you get into the Gaiman's world, it just becomes like the beginning, like the first few issues of Sandman. When he kind of tangentially is like crosses paths with some DC characters, it's it's you know it's finding its feet. But um, yep. as it goes along and he gets more assured of what he's doing, of what he wants to tell, uh, you get really just sucked into it. And and this issue that you've chosen, Noel, um, a, a real big turning point, I think. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, maybe a couple. Of issues before it is when it really finds its feet mm -hmm. but this feels like the where it's walking with both feet you know yeah. and it's weird because it's I think maybe this is where it kind of feels like he decided like every issue can sort of stand on its own while still conten continuing to tell the story of dreams like mm -hmm. post incarceration yeah you know coming to coming to terms with being incarcerated for so long which you know the first issue is basically him living through that and yeah. then escaping but um, but then meeting his the readers meeting death for the first time his sister yeah and it's such a she is such a con contrast to sort of the rest of the characters in the book yeah she's happy and kind of it's like such a brilliant idea to make yeah death like a cute little goth girl mm. who's like kind of but kind of happy and just like likes hanging out with these people yeah. who will become her kind of casual well you know yeah victim she's just like super she's very 90s it's <laughs> <laughs> like this would have been the kind of girl i would have had a crush on <laughs> in this you know in 1989 or 90 or whatever but yeah like, she's kind of a goofy girl but Trust me, I knew a lot of girls who wore onks around their necks. And I had no idea why. Yeah. Like, oh, they were reading Sandman, obviously. Yeah. Or <laughs> Moonlight fans. Just the kind yeah, of. So. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> um, but just going through and watching their, their conversation is fantastic yeah. throughout the book. You know, she's like Peachy Keen. Oh, <laughs> look at the kids. She's so cute. I'm about to take her with me. Yeah. And just like the way the way he 
the way Dream sort of narrates, but it's kind of a gaming. Mm. So whenever she's about to take a life, yes, you know, he talks about how the he can hear the flapping of the wings coming. Yeah, and it just gets really dark. It does, yeah, and ominous, you know. But by well, it's just a really good contrast. Yeah, I mean that that thing as you're saying, like her her persona, um, you know, being this light and bubbly um, figure. And then, yeah, exactly what you're saying, like, you can hear the beating of the wings. It is quite ominous, and it's like it's a reminder that she's not entirely what she seems, and it kind of brings you back home that, you know, she is death, like, you know, she's... Yeah, and you yeah, don't... I mean, scary. In hindsight, it's, mm. it's hard to remember how I felt the first time reading it, mm. but, like, they don't tell you right away that she's death. No. You just are sort of, You get slowly kind of clued in yes. as each... Thing goes on, and it's not until several pages into the issue when they go to visit the old, the old man in his apartment, yeah. and he's you know singing, and then he looks back on himself, and then you're like, after he's died, and yeah. and he's there standing with death and dream, yes, and he's like, I look so empty, I look so old, yeah, and he has a little thing about you know like, he said if I said this prayer I would go to heaven, and she's like, well, well let's find out, let's see, yeah, exactly, <laughs> we'll see, we'll see then. See what happens. Yeah, and, it, and then you're like, "Oh no!" Yeah, this could get scary. And there's parts, you know, like a comedian gets shocked at the microphone. I know. Oh. <laughs> and, and and it's and it's, it's funny, it's but funny. it's so sad. It is sad, but they and they all have different reactions. Like you know, when they look back on themselves, this out of body, well, mm-hmm. kind of out of body experience, post body experience, and she's kind of yeah. feeling like she, a lot of regret. Like, well, no, um, yeah. sorry, just uh not regret no she she wants um yeah just a few more years um yeah she's like i could have and you can really ambition yeah she had a lot more relate to that you know like it's like if if i just had more time yes yeah exactly i could have made it yeah it's like could you have yeah i know because yeah especially in this instance it's like an art yeah it's just like as an artist i relate a lot to this issue Mm. Uh, just the morality of like you know there's always that thing with artists about so many of them didn't become famous until they were dead. Yeah. You know, or at least didn't become infamous. Like, Larry Bruce is, like, a really good example for this specific story in this issue. Yeah. Comedian. Who was, like, known for being controversial, and you know, mm. uh, in the States. And I think he even got arrested for obscenity a few times. Mm-hmm. But he didn't become, like, infamous in, like, one of the biggest influences to other comedians until after he died and people heard his records yeah it's like what can you do when you're alive when will you be happy with your career yeah you know and she's like oh shit i could you know i could have been something Mm. i wouldn't have died why do you have to do this to me yeah she's like i'm sorry come on honey here we go and then it's just like i heard the sound of her wings and then next and then it's just like a montage like a little baby has oh that was terrible and and yeah, like the little baby saying, you know, but is that it? Is that all I can? And she's going, yep, sorry. Uh, yep. So this kind of, the spirit of the baby is obviously talking to, to death. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you get all these different examples. And as you say, they go through through them all. Like there's a, someone's overdosed on pills, I think. Someone's... Uh, yeah, uh, and the whole time, yeah. um, Morpheus is uh, narrating mm. her st- what she does you know and it's so great and it's so 
sad. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and just kind of dreadful. But then whenever they go back to Death's dialogue, she's like, Hiya, honey. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What's happening? <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Well, yeah, because he talks about, like, because he talks about basically the fear of death, like how people are yeah. scared of dying. They'll do anything to... And he, like, yeah. they should be more afraid of... And Well, she brings up the point. Is it her that she brings up the point that, like, they should be more afraid of you. Yes, she's, she's not of me. Yep. I'm inevitable. I'm going to happen. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yep, exactly. Um, where he's uh, and also this, uh, I found this is a really good thing because um, again, another layer to this story is that we see that death is she's so um, confident and at at peace with what she does. Like you know that that is mm-hmm. who she is and that's what she does. And um, Morpheus, he he. He's he's still kind of I think he's teetering a, a, a bit unsure about his purpose, like his real purpose. Like because at the end he kind of embraces it. There's almost like a um, it's like cathartic. Like you know he throws his sand out. Um, and yeah, you can hear she re- she comes back to remind him of what his duty yes. is as an as an endless yes. Because it sounds like he had doubts. Because he's yeah yeah. Well, he's just been bummed out. Yeah. And he was like captured. You know, he like tells her his story of what had happened to him and she's like oh okay okay anyway get over it yeah yeah exactly you've got a you've got a job to do and he was like you're right yeah <laughs> it's really it's just cool it's there's so yeah it was really it's just really it's really deep it is very deep you know? yeah yeah and it and like it, it almost it should feel almost cliche mm. With the way it is sort of told and sort of like, I mean, it, it kind of is a cliche now of like some of this deep goth stuff. Yeah. You know, because that's just really kind of what it is. But I mean, he helped spark that movement in the first place. Yeah. So, or at least help bring it into like somewhat sort of mainstream. Yeah. And people forget that it's like he's so literate. He's so, I mean, he gets crazy literate in these books later, like literally literate. literate. <laughs> yeah. But, um, no, it's it's just done so well, and just like the last panel of him yeah. picking up some sad, and he's just like he looks joyful. Yeah, he, and all of a sudden you read like the sound of her wings, you know, again. Yeah, so, yeah, he can, which should be ominous, but it it just looks joyful. It's really weird. Mm. And it looks like Robert Smith smiling, which it is just something you don't see very often. <laughs> um, maybe further reference? No, no, <laughs> um, could be. I mean, but. I know she was a photo reference of a real person. Yes. Wasn't um, it his... Like a good... F- I thought it was his ex. A good friend. Oh, okay. I thought it was Gaiman's uh, I think it was a good friend of... Oh, okay. No, it was a good friend of, of Mike Drunberg or whatever oh. the artist's name is. It was a friend of his. So you can, like... If you, like, Google, okay. like, Death of the Endless, like, real pictures of her pop up all the time. Oh, okay. And you can just see, like, well, yep, that's exactly her. That's... He just got a girl who was a friend of his to draw. Yeah. Pretty cool, and she looks just like that. I think she even wore an Ankh necklace. And stuff. Oh right, just, like, ex- just drew her exactly, shamelessly, just replicated her um, yeah. into the comics. And uh, obviously, I mean, it's, we've talked a lot about this this issue as well. But um, I guess this stood out out of all of the Sandman issues for you. I mean, was Sandman always going to be on your list? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, you ask me next week, and it could be yeah, different. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. But I'm with you. This as is well. my favorite issue of Sandman. Yeah, it is a good. I issue. have a lot of favorite issues of Sandman, but this one's my favorite. Yeah, and it's just because I, I could sit. Here, I don't want to go and just read all of his dialogue, but it's mm. it's you could. It's one that you could. 
someone who's never read Sandman, it's an issue you could pick up that I would suggest just read that one. Yeah. And then you, you're going to want to go back and read the rest of it. Yeah. Gaiman is so good. He's ro- I love his writing, like prose or comics mm-hmm. or whatever. It, it just, he is so good. Very nice to read. Uh, Have you read his Eternals? No, I haven't actually. I'm thinking of because Me of the. Me neither. Yeah. I really want. Yeah, because of the movie yeah, and everything. Yeah. I'd really like to. Um, they covered it on uh, the YouTube channel Comic Pop. Okay. Um, those guys are those guys are great. But uh, one of the hosts, Tiffany, covered the Eternals. She loves Neil Gaiman. Okay. Yeah. Um, and she covered that uh, Neil Gaiman um, Eternals, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds pretty cool. It makes me want to pick it up." I saw it used recently, and I didn't grab it like an idiot. Ooh. It was really cheap, and I'm sure they're going to jack up the prices of those now. Yeah. It's, it's not. But, it's um, not yeah. I didn't love um, JRJR's artwork for it. Yeah, I've only seen the picture of Icarus it. of it. That's all. So I haven't seen much of it. Yeah, yeah. but um. It's it's not really his usual realm, is it, Cosmic? But it would be an interesting take. No. I mean, John Romita Jr., he's a great artist. But, yeah, like, I, his... Yeah, Cosmic is not his Oh, thing. no, I sorry. Him, I was, him and Frank... Yeah, sorry, I was meaning Gaiman. Or Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you could argue Sandman's kind of Cosmic. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, d- depending on what your definition of cosmic is. I guess he's not in outer space, but it is some otherworldly shit. Yeah, it's otherworldly, but I mean, I think Eternals is more, isn't that more kind of planetary, alien? I, I don't know. I guess I have to read Yeah, it, it is, yeah. except for his version takes, they take, I mean, that's, it takes place on Earth. Okay. Um, but it does have a backstory that has the whole um, Jack Kirby stuff, which is obviously a titan and yeah. other places yeah. but i mean the eternals start on earth they're one of the, if you, you know the backstory right um no oh, the some celestials. Celestials. do you know how the marvel universe started yeah, with the, yeah, yeah. no i'll just read i'll just <laughs> all because of them i was just thinking because um the guy that plays icarus uh, the english actor i was watching the panel uh of the san diego comic con and he was describing it so mm-hmm. i was just trying to um recount his words but um, yeah, they're essentially immortal, they're an immortal race, right? But they were—I um, always get them mixed up with the Inhumans, though. But they, were they formed by the Celestials? Or they, they were formed uh, by the Kree. By the Kree. Yeah. Okay. The Kree create the Celestials created the Kree, yes. and they and the Kree created the Eternals. In the Inhumans. Inhumans, right? Yeah. Okay. So the Eternals, though, and the Celestials directly created the Eternals. The Eternals. Okay. So that's why they're more powerful. Like they're an immortal race, right? Yeah, they're part of the, the the when they came to Earth, the Celestials created the Deviants, the Humans, and the Eternals. Ah. Okay. And they each like the first they they're trying to create life from monkeys or whatever. Right. Like to evolve life. And first they made the Deviants, and they said, oops. And then they made the humans, and they were like, almost. And then they made the Eternals, like, ah, just right. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah, look, uh, my Eternals knowledge is very, very sketchy. No, it's some really weird Jack Kirby shit, yeah. you know, that, like, wasn't really canon until... Well, I mean, I guess technically it was canon, but just a lot of writers were like, what? You know, and I think Jim Starlin was like, "No, that's cool. That's what it is." But everybody else was kind of like, "Huh?" Yeah, 
What? It's just a weird. Kirby? It's a weird thing, and a weird thing that they chose uh, for the MCU. But um, look, I guess I'm. Gonna... Uh, it makes sense. It's like Guardians. Like, well, that's what it's... everybody's been pointing out. It's like Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like, what the fuck is this? But then everybody can just be like, do what you want with it. Yeah, true. But I mean, I, a, we've had enough cosmic stuff. I wanted. Uh, um, we got Blade. That was announced. I'm pretty happy with that. Got some supernatural kind of stuff happening now, which is which is good in the MCU. Um, yeah. No Moon Knight, but you know, hey, not bitter at all. Well, I think I. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Blade came before Moon Knight, yeah. I think. And did. Yeah, Blade did, yeah. Did, yeah, I don't think Werewolf spun out of Blade, but. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. No. But it's from around the same time. I Tomb mean, of Dracula, know, there's a logical. Stuff like, yeah. yeah, there's a. Yeah, Tomb of Dracula, yeah. I think. There's a logical. Oh, okay, so you reckon they're doing... Sort of ladder to Moon Knight, you know? Yeah. Well, opportunity with Blade there to get Moon Knight in there somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, anywho, so uh, Sandman, sorry, we're, we're digressing there. I, I, um, Neil Gaiman, Eternals, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's how we were getting up to it. Um, yep. But yeah, so anyway, uh, the final, final book here, Noel. Oh, right. I've, oh, sorry, unless there's anything else um, for Sandman. No, just read it. Just read, <laughs> read it, read issue eight. Uh, plenty of really good issues there as well. I think I, I think we reviewed uh, in another Isle of Ra. I think it was issue twelve, which was another really good issue. Um, anyway, so there's plenty, plenty to plunder. Now the final, final book here, uh, Noel, we have here is Peter Parker: The Spectacular Spider-Man issue three hundred and ten. This is- I think you mean. Eisner Award-winning <laughs> Peter Parker, Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man, oh, issue three ten. Sorry, correct. By the one and only. Yep. Chip Zdarsky. Correction. Absolutely. AKA Stephen James or whatever Chip's real name is. I oh forget. right, okay. I didn't do know. Um, and that's right. As Noel said, recently just announced the winner of the best one-shot or self-contained issue. One single single issue. issue. Just single issue. Single yeah. issue. Very, and rightly deserved, I'd say. This is a very, very strong issue, Noel. Um, take it, take us through this. Um. Well, simply, yeah, it was Chip uh, wrote and drew, and I think he even colored this. Oh, let me. And see. Um, oh yeah, I'm pretty sure he did everything on it. Wow. Um, there's a, a different letterer. Yep. Uh, Travis Lanham. Yeah. It, but it's just a it's, it's sort of a day in the life of Spider-Man um, and his spectacular had been pretty cool up to this point so I would suggest anybody go back and read all of Chip's spectacular Spider-Man oh, yeah. it's really cool um, he's just a really um, he has a lot of variety in his writing mm. oh, he's obviously yeah. a really f- funny person he's hilarious yes. I mean him and him and Matt Fraction the sex criminals I can't yeah recommend highly enough it's super great and he draws and plots but it's it's scripted by matt fraction who's can be also really funny or really serious mm-hmm. uh but yeah this book is somebody is making a documentary about spider-man and so there's like a lot of these funny sort of talking headshots of people yeah. 
either saying why they love or hate Spider-Man. There's not a lot of in-between. I love the I love the array of, you know, either liking it and not liking it, or some people don't yeah, even know. Yeah, it's really funny. Have some people, you know, like, he's a menace, and some yeah. people are like, he's great. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's just really funny. And then there's, like, a one woman who's just, like, um, who's obviously whose story it kind of is. Yep. She has a story to tell about Spider-Man, and most of the issue is just kind of the backstory of what happens with her, and it's yep. her her son got herself in a little trouble, and Spider-Man busted his little gang, um, but it, it turns out her son is the youngest of his little gang, and he was just kind of roped into it, yep. and Spider-Man feels sorry for him, and so he spares him from getting arrested. Um... <laughs> It's just one, one part in the middle when they're interviewing some of the people that Spider-Man had either helped or not helped. And there's one guy who's he's just like, he's cool and all, but I didn't know I'd see him every single day. Oh, and there's yeah. one page yeah. of one one elongated panel <clears throat> of Venom and Scorpion, yeah. like, fucking shit up. And Spider-Man saves this guy at a hot dog cart. And then very next panel next to him is Spider-Man going on this long diatribe yeah. about whether what's the best way to eat a hot dog. Yeah. I love this. And this guy just reg- regrets, regrets Spider giving Spider Man free hot dogs yeah. for life, but because he just talks on and yeah, on and that, on. That's and it. On. I, I I love this how Chip uh, uses this. Like you see, and he's a talkative fellow, isn't he? And uh, oh yeah, it's just classic Spider Man cl- to me. Yeah. It's just like and not only just, this, he he just talks like he's such a nerd. He mm. just talks and talks and talks and talks. And and not only this, there was earlier so on as well. Sorry. Oh, sorry, yeah. Um, sorry, I was about to say earlier on the the cops as well. They, they make a remark. Oh, oh, just let him do his thing. You know, the sooner he gets it, you know, the sooner we don't have to hear him talk anymore. So uh, <laughs> yeah. he just it really does lay the platform. Sadowski of like, this character of Spider Man. I think in essence he gets him really well. Yeah, I think he really does. He's, I think some of the humor has been lost on Spider Man mm. for the past several years Dan Slott brought it out every once in a while Dan Slott's a really funny writer he's good and there's some moments there's some moments like um, uh, in the collection of Big Time Mm -hmm. which is I think it's before Superior Spider-Man yeah it is before Superior Spider-Man but um, like the opening jokes are just hilarious and that it's like him fighting with the Avengers yeah and they're just like, shut the hell up, kid. Yeah. Like, it's so funny. Yeah. He just like, won't stop talking, you know. And that's what I love about his first introduction in the movies for the Marvel Marvel Studios. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, when he's fighting Falcon and Winter Soldier in that airport. Um, oh, yes. That is hallway, really cool. you know. And he's just like, he's just talking and talking and talking. And Falcon's like, you know, kid. Yeah. Normally, there's not this much talking when we fight. And he's like, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I was like, they nailed it, right? Yeah. In that one little moment, they perfectly nailed to me who Spider-Man is. And I loved it. And Chip Zdarsky did that here just perfectly. Yeah. And and like the next page is when they're continuing this woman's story with her son. Like, yeah. you know, she's at home with him and she's like, Kyle, where are you? And she looks into his room and Spider-Man, full uniform, yeah. is sitting next to this kid helping, helping him with his homework. Yeah. That's really and it's like sweet. Some crazy yeah. algebra or something. I don't even know what they're working on. Yeah, or not some paragraph theory. Yeah, uh, yeah. And she's just like, you know, her heart is warmed. 
by this whole thing. Yeah, it's a beautiful Fantastic. panel there. Like, I love that um, shot mm-hmm. Sadowski draws of her just leaning, you know, listening in on them, just really content. Yeah. Um, yeah, beautifully drawn. Uh, we get a little cameo of uh, Captain America as well. We get an insight of what the heroes, yeah, I guess, think of Spider-Man. Great. And I love it. He's one of the greatest men I've ever known. That's a big, yeah. a big uh, call from, you know, the first Avenger. So. Yeah. Uh, it is really great. And it's such a classic Chip Sadarsky, too. The next panel, Spider-Man is yeah, bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just some fucking guy. Is a, Spider-Man yeah, is bad. <laughs> that's his opinion. That there, nothing else to it. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but then it goes, oh, this is, yeah, this is heart, heart-wrenching stuff. Um, yeah, and there's something that reminds me. What's that old Spider-Man story? Um, it might have been J.M.T. Mateus who wrote it mm-hmm. about the um, the kid who collects Spider-Man. Oh, no, I can't remember. Do you know the story? No. It's about a kid who who's sick in the hospital. Yeah. And Spider-Man just goes to visit him. It's it's heartbreaking. Oh, wow. It's such a good... And this, this kind of has that same sort of feeling. Yeah. It's why so many people like love Spider-Man. Yeah. It's because they can have these moments mm. like this. Yeah, it's exactly. Like goes, it's silent, silent comics. He just draws it all out. Yeah. And Spider-Man going to visit this kid, and he looks at his room, and that there's like kind of that sort of part silhouette picture of him looking in the room. Yeah. And the next drawing is Spider-Man out on the ledge, kind of looking with his hand on his yeah. chin, like, hmm, I wonder where he is. Yeah. And goes to ring the doorbell... And she's just sad, and she hugs Spider-Man. Yeah. And it's, just, it's, cl- it's just really cinematic. It's classic. No words yep. needed. Well, it reminds me of the... And then same with... Sorry, it reminds me of the J.M.D. Mateus issue, Spectacular Spider-Man 300, uh, where mm-hmm. we had J.M.D. Mateus on, on the show, and he told us about how Sal Buscema um, was really good in his layouts, and J.M. just couldn't put any words to it he said it was perfect you know and, and it was it was like yeah. the last five pages were silent um and mm-hmm. this is kind of this reminded me of that it's very similar yeah mm. i mean it is silent mm. and it's like up until the end when you get the story of about why they're making this document mm. and it's just like those the pages showing like why what happened to the kid mm. and spider-man going to get him and he busts him and it just cries yeah. on a rooftop with his mask off. And it's just like no words throughout. It's just fantastic. And it feels mm. it feels like, you know, like it feels like his very first issue mm. in a way. You know, like when Uncle Ben gets killed and, and he puts on his Spider-Man outfit and yeah. he goes to catch the guy who killed Uncle Ben. Yeah. And it's very similar except for no words. Yeah. And I guess it, it, it just shows that it just doesn't get any easier, does it? It doesn't matter how long he's been doing this for. Uh, each and every case, you know, particularly ones like this, will get to him. And, uh, yeah, very um, very well-drawn, far out. Tadaski's drawing at the face of Peter Parker when he's just there clutching his yeah. head. Oh, brilliant. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, yeah, it's re- and it's really nice to see in Marvel every once in a while... They'll let somebody who's not a mainstream comic book artist do yeah. do a comic book, you know. And, like, this is great art. And, and I think he's trying to approximate some Marvel style, mm-hmm. you know. It's not his normal... Oh, okay, it isn't. ...goofier, sort of. Right. Yeah, like, I mean, 
you could look at it and be like, okay, that's Chip Zdarsky's art. Because mm-hmm. it, it has the look sort of of sex criminals in a way, his coloring and his style. But he's trying to be a little bit more formal, I think, okay. in it. It looks a little bit more marvel than his normal stuff. But he uses a lot of photo references in um, sex criminals. He actually has, like, two friends that he has play the main two characters yeah. um, in the book. And, like, in here, I feel like he's referring to real people, too. Yeah. Oh, you'd have to. I mean, these, really looks like yeah, it. the expressions are just really realistic. So, uh, yeah, he's good. He's a great storyteller. I mean, mm. he's he, lucky to have him in the world right now doing comic books. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And he's doing great work. I mean, he did great work on this. His um, <coughs> Marvel um, two in one mm-hmm. with Ben Grimm and uh, oh, I, Johnny Storm yeah, was. I wanted to get that. amazing. Right. Get it? It's out on trade. Yeah, now. I'll get, get the trade. It. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I haven't read any of his Daredevil, but people Ooh. have been freaking out about yeah, how good yeah, it is. Yeah, I've, so. I've been collecting his... And, and you are absolutely correct in saying that he's got range because it is so different. Um, I'm reading Invaders as well, which is by Chip Sadowski. Yeah, also really serious. Very right? serious. Um, he's just really a very talented writer. And, like, yeah, his artist is... Yeah, I, um, I'm not too familiar with his artwork and, and seeing this uh, it's brilliant it's good really nice stuff mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's more indie which is cool yeah. you know like there's um I think they let people experiment with Spider-Man more sometimes because well probably because they, uh, they know that I they, think it's just they can he's been around forever yeah, <laughs> yeah. and he's going to make the numbers a, anyway so yeah. yeah and there's like they did a I think it was in one of it might have been uh, Dan Slott's last Spider-Man issue mm-hmm. or was it Spider-Man you know 800 or something like that yeah. they had some backups and there was like a, a local artist a woman named um, Hannah oh I'm gonna butcher her last name uh, Montana oh, no <laughs> <laughs> Blav <laughs> Oh, I love that. Shit. I love that, the pronunciation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's pretty good. It's, it's, I have to look it up. It's, she's, she did a zine mm-hmm. that she just, it was like a little Spider-Man comic um, cool. on her own, like hoping to not get, like, you know, um, <laughs> sued by Marvel yeah. or something. Um, but she, uh, okay, I've uh, she just did this little whoops all of my stuff just fell apart there um, sorry uh, Hannah Blumrich okay I think it's pronounced right. or Blumenrich Hannah Blumenrich Hannah. she did a little thing she's called like Spidey Zine and somehow it got to Dan Slott and he was like you should do a backup in Amazing Spider-Man oh cool wow and she did and her stuff is just really cute and cartoony what a dream gig um yeah it is and like just gave her a shot you mm. know and I think she did one more maybe little, one little Marvel backup and something else but that's about it wow she normally just makes like really cool weird indie comics of her own stuff cool no but all of a sudden this really cartoony cool her version of Spider-Man just popped up nice well hopefully, <laughs> in, hopefully it's ex- in like a huge issue yeah hopefully it's exposed her to you know to more of an audience It'd be great 
Yeah, exp- that's. I mean, that's how I heard of her mm, from yeah. being a Spider-Man book, and I was like, yeah. she lives just a few miles away from oh, me, wow. apparently. So that's cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, anyway, so the this book, the ending of this is really good as well. There's almost like a little reveal here. I loved it. It was. Um, yeah. Well, they ask. Um, what is it? it he he kind of asks. Spider-Man runs into the guy who's making the yeah. movie, and he kind of asks him. He's like, "How did you uh, yeah. decide on making a, yeah. a Spider-Man movie?" Yeah, because he's worried that it might be an expose on something, or you know, so he just just double yeah, checking, like some sort of J. Jonah Jameson type expose on him yeah. or something. Yeah. Uh, and it just turns out that um, Spider-Man had kind of saved him, but he had messed up his clothes. Yeah. And so and this is clearly like 60s Spider-Man. So he gives him this clothes in his backpack, which is his tie and his nerdy little vest. Yeah. <laughs> which is just so funny. Right, yeah. And he was like, oh, it was just really cool that, you know, like this dude just messed up my stuff, but then gave me his own clothes. Very kind. Off his back, literally. And he's like, that stuck with me. Yeah. And he was just like, yeah, literally off his back. And he was just... And I was just like a 15-year-old kid, which is funny because Spider-Man was also a yeah. 15-year-old kid at the time. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, that's cool. See you around. Yeah. And then the the last final page of Peter is being interviewed. Mm. And it's just really great. Yeah, because the guy is wondering and, to Spider-Man, how, how did you know I was making a documentary? And and that's a reveal. Yeah. yeah that it's, uh, he actually interviewed and the, Peter. Yeah, and it just wraps up all of who Spider-Man is in, like, five panels. And then the last panel is and then a six-panel grid. And the last panel is black. Yeah. It's so brilliant because at the end it just it closes everything off. It actually gives Spider Man it gives us his own opinion of himself. After all yeah. his opinions from everyone else, after all his acts that he's done, uh yeah, we, we get to hear from the man himself. And it just it was just such a well rounded um comic book. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really it's like a perfect issue mm. of comic books. Yeah. And it's a, one of the best Spider-Man issues yeah. ever. And it deserves the Eisner. It definitely does. Definitely does. Um, I was, and I think Chip should have won for overall writer over Tom, Tom King, King as well. But he didn't. Yeah. I I mean, Tom King, you know. Hey, Tom King is, he's no slouch. Man. No, no, he isn't. No, he like, isn't. No. His, that vision book is. Vision's great. Phenomenal. That was a few years ago I now, still So. It was. Yeah. And, well, so, but his Mr. Miracle, I oh, guess. Oh, of course. Yep, yep, yep. Is also great. People people just aren't into his Batman, Batman. very much, I guess. Yeah. So whatever. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to write Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oof, I should have uh, should have bleeped that other one out. <laughs> anyway, <Yeah. laughs> B Man. The B Man. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was great. So there are the four books, Looney's um, from Noel Looney Tunes Tate. Uh, we had Moon Knight, Volume 1, Issue 26, Hit It. Uh, that was followed by Fugitoid um, from... Um, is that... That's before pre-Mirage, right? So... Um, it, I mean, it's technically, technically a Mirage, Mirage book, yeah. but it's... Before yeah. it was actually formed. Uh, very cool read there. Bit of sci-fi. Uh, Sandman, Volume mm-hmm. 2, Issue 8, and capped off with Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man, 310. And again, we'll have uh, links to these particular issues for you to investigate further. Listeners, if you want to do so. Um, Noel, it's been awesome talking about all these comics. 
Thanks for having me again, Rain. Yeah, no, no worries. Anytime, absolutely. Um, it's uh, an eye opener. I'm gonna myself. I'm gonna be checking out. I think if I had a choice, I'd be probably checking out. Uh, oh, be in between David Boring and maybe I Kill Giants. I reckon that would be um, worth checking out. Um, but do I Kill Giants? I think. Yep. Now that you're a you're you've had an extended family. Oh, okay. All right. Now your family's grown a little bit in the past year. Sure. I think you might. This might hit you pretty hard. Oh, cool. Yeah, <laughs> so, I love it. I would suggest I kill Jack. Okay. No, I'll I'll take you up on that. I will do absolutely. I'll do that. And uh, yeah, we're obviously out here still. The pigeons are um, uh, pooping on us. It's brilliant. Uh, your bread is gone, <laughs> no. Um, before we go though, I mean, as always, as well, um, sharing in our learning community. Um, any best ways for loonies to contact you if they want to ask you more questions on these comics? Yeah, um, let's see. The internet. Um, Twitter is actually, my Twitter is open, at mm-hmm. Noel Tate, K-N-O-L-T-A-T-E. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram, um, you can follow my artwork there at Tate underscore drawings. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow my band Deleter at all of those things at We Are Deleter, mm-hmm. I think. I think it's yeah, we, we Are, are Deleter, Deleter yeah. one word. Yeah. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Or you can find me in the ITK group. Awesome, yeah. I put some stuff in there sometimes or put a little smiley or heart em- emoji thing by your yeah. <laughs> uh, Moon Knight core meme or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, no, no, you're pretty active around there. I'm, you know, I'm sure Looney's. I like, I like seeing what people get. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. It uh, is great. Or the news people pick up on. Yeah, it's always great. Did you did you post up um, those recent purchases you did of um, of Fisto Conchu? I think you did. Yeah. I th- yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, I did. yeah, yeah. It's always good to see. I like to. F- I just like to find stuff. I've been yeah, kind of like looking for all the old floppies, but trying to find them for cheap as possible yeah. not just because i'm cheap but kind of also it's just like it's a fun hunt it's a, yeah to find those things and right. you know in the dollar or quarter bin or whatever ah. i found a new s- a store that's been i guess it's been around for a while but i've never been yeah um called nostalgia zone Ooh. here in minneapolis and he carries a lot of old books and sometimes he marks them up to what you know the internet says they're worth and sometimes he's just like <laughs> whatever so he had all of the fist of constitute for i think it was like the hot most I paid for one was a buck. Awesome. The rest, I think, were 75 cents oh, or 50 cents. Craziness. Craziness. So, you know. And I found a lot of the first volumes, floppies, for very cheap, just around. And so yeah. my goal is to get all of the original ones for, you know, less than asking value. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure you can if you hunt around um, enough. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's a shout-out to Nostalgia Zone. I'll... Um Yep. I'll hunt them up as well. Minneapolis, uh, we'll, we'll put the links in yeah, there. Yeah, they've got it. They do, they do eBay auctions, and they've got oh. a lot. All of their stuff is on a website. Cool. They're a great comic little com- like just you know back issues comic shop. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of shops that are recently closed around town, which is sad. Yeah, it's always sad. But um, there's been staples. There's one, the one I went to when I was a little kid. The first comic shop I ever found is still there. That's crazy. Un- Uncle Sven's. Like the like a because there's a lot of Swedes here in Minnesota. Oh, so. Uncle Sven. Should I call that? Cool. They're still there. It's just a teeny little shop. They mostly carry just trades now yeah. and um, um, 
whatever the you know that month that month or two back of floppies yeah okay um and yeah there's not a whole lot more left yeah well stick with the ones that you know um keep on supporting your local comic book store uh we'd like to always uh promote that as well you know it's um the Mm -hmm. reason why we do have this awesome material and the material that we've gone through is because um you know we, we support the industry and what better way to you know Check out your local, and it's also as well a nice place to, to meet uh, like-minded people as well. Even chat, that, exactly. yeah, with the staff as well, who are obviously are very well versed with um, with the comics. Uh, it's just a great place um, to to share your passion. Yeah. So. Like I don't know about you, but I never run into like the comic book shop guy from The Simpsons. You know, <laughs> like everyone's always really cool and really knowledgeable. Yeah. Think, you know. Oh yeah, I mean like the. The staff at Uncle Sven's are just two guys there, and they've been there forever. And they, That's great. They know their stuff, and they're just really nice. And if they don't know their stuff, they want to hear about it from you. Yeah, that's great. You know, like, and they're never stuck up or... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's great. Just really cool. They want people to read more comics. You yeah, know? I mean, they, the they want they want to um, promote the business. So, um, yeah, and they're just genuinely passionate about what they, what they are doing, so... Yeah, so please support your local comic book store. Uh, once again, Noel, thank you very much. We're gonna um, we're gonna have to hail a, a cab, or I might give Samuel's a ring to to pick us up and uh, and uh, fly us away. We'll need the mooncopter, um, but yeah, all <laughs> good. Anyway, next phase. Uh, look, we are going back to our uh, Lunapic. Uh, it's going to be a, a classic run review, and um, I haven't confirmed yet. Hopefully. Might have a, a guest co-host joining me for that. Uh, I believe I think it's issue um, issue eight of the Doug Mensch run. I'll have to double check my notes. I haven't got the, uh, them here handy with me, uh, but it'll be a classic run. Also, I want to mention. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll, we might have a small segment with Brian, who hosts the Fantasy Comic League, uh, and he's going to give us an update on how our division, the ITK Moon Knight division the comic league went or is going actually for this season there's a couple of months left um and i know the boys uh in the division uh, are enjoying the drafts and and uh and having to pick up their characters so uh yeah we'll have brian on and he can take us through what we've done right and what we've done wrong <laughs> um as always uh you can catch us on itk uh, moon Knight at gmail.com uh we're on facebook of course facebook.com slash itk moon Knight. we have a group where Noel Looney Tunes Tate is uh, as well, and that's at facebook.com slash group slash ITK Moon Knight. Uh, we're on Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube, uh, Twitter as well, at ITK Moon Knight. Uh, you can find us there. Um, and also uh, a little shout out to our chat room, the Looney Bin. It's open 24 7. If you need to chat and have your Moon Knight fix, just go over there um, and you should uh, find someone to chat. Yeah, comics or me not with anyway um that's it for this episode thank you so much loonies for sticking with us and listening uh, a very uh, i don't know about you but a brilliant list of comics here uh, and graphic novels i'm going to go off and see if i can hunt some of these down but as always may conchu watch over the denizens of the night catch you later
Moonite and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners. May Conchu watch over the denizens of the night. Catch you later. Cool. Thank you, Noel. <laughs> 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 just, just, that's what I was used to, I'm so listening. Uh, <laughs> used to hearing your voice through these headphones I have on right now. <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm on the show.